Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Time with Jones. We're just so glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Jordan Foote of Sports Illustrated, talking all things Kansas City Chiefs with Jordan when he joins us. Coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, and our top four story of the week coming up at the end of the show as well. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, I was thinking about this. You know, they, they say beer dehydrates you, right? Um, Correct. If that's the case, how come when I piss, it's clear after drinking beer? I thought clear piss means I'm hydrated. It's a good question. I don't know too much on the dehydration. I'm not, you know, super aware of that fact. But uh, I, I wonder about that sometimes, too, because uh, I definitely noticed... You know, every time I, I notice the uh, once you break the seal, there's no going back. But it's all, uh, you know, clear after that. It's not like you're – it's not like – I feel this is very weird. I, I enjoy this opener, but it's also very weird because I know everybody that's listening, you look at your pee in the morning, and if you're dehydrated, it's a golden yellow. You know, it's, uh, it's, like, um, it's, like the yellow, it's like the yellow of West Virginia. <laughs> the Mountaineers, you know, that's after drinking hard liquor like the Mountain Dude, Mountaineers did this weekend, I'm sure. I feel like Tom Herman should be the one that we ask this question to. If we ever get to interview Tom Herman, the, the man uh, who hydration put chart. the hydration chart at Texas, <laughs> that he would know the answer to this question. You know, I, t- I think when we discussed that hydration chart, when I was working at Phillips 66, they have they had uh, in Bartlesville, that's a research center. And when in the summer, they would have these charts. Um, they would have them outside, but a, a lot of them were in the bathroom. And it was a hydration chart. And I should have took a picture of it, but I'm assuming that's probably somewhat of the same hydration chart Tom Herman had. I mean, it was detailed. It was like for each color. They had the, several shades on this chart. And, uh, you know, would give the symptoms of this is probably how you're feeling if you pee this color. I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny. You know, Texas football this year looks pretty worse off without Tom Herman. I would they're think dehydrated. That, they're dehydrated, right? They gotta be. That's why they're blowing the fourth quarter leads. They're not hydrating enough. <laughs> they do good in the first half and they're hydrated and then they get dehydrated and they and then one, you know, for the sake of defeat, they go in the bathroom and pee yellow. <laughs> right? That's gotta be it. That's they, it. We need a sports science on this. Sports science. Is Texas football dehydrated? Is that why <laughs> they're struggling right now? That sounds like a garbage time or off-season, off-season thread on Reddit. <laughs> it makes that's what sense. they call it's what they call a shit post in the business. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Oh my god. Oh, okay, on the description for this, when you put it on and and make the description. I want the first five minutes or whatever to be. Is Texas dehydrated? That has to be it. Well, and then you see that video of that defensive line coach going after his players. I bet that so he, he needs the Snickers. He needs the Snickers. That guy wasn't dehydrated. He was probably mad at everybody else for not being good teammates, not drinking water. Exactly. I mean, he's he to, to have that kind of rant. You have to be hydrated. And then I bet afterwards that he went home and he, he had to have some hard alcohol. Like I bet that his 
his piss was pretty clear that night after the seal broke. Oh, I'm sure. And then when he woke up in the morning, he was just like all those players. He sounded like, I mean, he almost sounded like he had been drinking. And I don't blame him. <laughs> I'd have been drunk at halftime if I was one of those Texas coaches. I guess it did in that game. Didn't really get bad until after half. But still, what Texas scored seven points was final score 30 to seven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an ass whoop. <laughs> to an Iowa State team that's not that great. Right. That had, uh, you know, lost the previous week in Morgantown. So, I mean, credit for Matt Campbell to Matt Campbell for bouncing back. But, uh, you know, I think is Iowa State, who do they got this weekend? Uh, Iowa State this week takes on Tech. Is it a buy? Oh, Tech. Which is pretty much a buy. I mean, hopefully, knock on wood. <laughs> they need the win. They're desperate. Um, New coach. I don't think Baylor's coach, that linebacker coach, I don't think he's actually coaching for them. No, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't. McGuire doesn't start till next year. That's good. I wonder that because they still have to play Baylor. Yeah. wonder how many secrets he's going to give up. Oh, he's got to give up all the secrets. Baylor's hydration chart. Right. Baylor, with their record, I bet they have a good hydration chart. I mean, golly, David Aranda's down there, sponsored by Gatorade. Gatorade and Ball and, and Headshine. I mean, they might have Bobby Boucher on their sidelines at this point. Bobby Boucher, Baylor's Bobby Boucher. I mean, at this point, you know, well, I don't know. Baylor was not hydrated last week. Chandler Morris was hydrated, though. Right. I'm hoping he comes in the Stillwater this weekend. I hope he's dehydrated. They need to take him. Hopefully they get in Friday. Someone needs to take Chandler Morris out to the bars and Stillwater. And if nobody will, damn it, I will. You'd buy Chandler Morris a beer? Oh, I'd buy him whatever he wanted on the strip on Friday night. I'd get him sauced. But only on Friday night, not on Saturday night. Well, I mean, you know, now if he wanted to throw the game, you know, maybe I'd, you know, and I'd take him out to the strip afterwards <laughs> and, and get him drunk if that's what he wanted. But if they said, you know, they always talk about, you know, different ways to sabotage a team. You heard that, that was it. I'm trying to, was it Michael Jordan? the flu game, it was actually food poisoning, and then they had sabotaged his food to make him sick the night before the game. Um, you know, you hear about other teams pulling the fire alarm on the team hotel. You know, my way of sabotaging, and I'm, I'm open to this for anybody that needs a sabotage or, you know, needs me to sabotage somebody for the game, I will take the star's best player out, show them the town, and get them hammered before the game. That's my – I'd be like a spy. I love that. That's just get great. you – you know, just get you absolutely get, – get their player absolutely hammered and take them out, show them the town, give them a gut bomb with maybe like four or five plates and Eskimo Joe's cheese fries. You know, I've that had way, a number of days – the I've had a number of days, Tom, over the years where – I went out and hit the town the night before and came back to work the next morning. And I sure felt terrible, but you know what? You work through it. And sometimes those are your best performances in my experience, but I'm not an athlete either. Right. I, I mean, let's try to make the player's hydration chart, you know, on the bad side of things. 
That's that's the key. So if you guys, if you if you see some guy going, I don't know, I might have to shave my head, maybe put a TCU shirt on, and uh, you know, maybe partner up with JW Walsh. I believe he was back on OSU staff. Who used to be on TCU staff a couple of years ago. Me, JW Walsh, and Chandler Morris hit the town, and I don't know what team hotel. I don't. I'm, it's in TCU. They probably and the game's not till seven. They're probably not leaving Fort Worth till seven on Saturday morning. So maybe I'll have to drive down to the stockyards and get him the night before. That sounds like a great idea. I might be in on this, but I'll meet you there. <laughs> there's plenty of time to recover between that seven o'clock start time. So this plan might backfire. That's true. He could he could get hydrated by then. Uh, let's talk NFL as we do to start the show each and every week here on the uh, Jones Report. And uh, there's so much going on. Odell Beckham is still looking for a home. He might end up playing for uh, Bishop Sycamore at this <laughs> Cam Newton, uh, he had just left Bishop Sycamore and is now playing for the uh, Carolina Panthers again. Um, a lot of movement this week in the uh, NFL, Tom, for what – looks to be a, a fascinating week of uh, games ahead. Uh, you know, and, and as we, we dive into these games, I'm looking at where things are at right now. And there's a lot of teams in desperation mode. We're about, what, you know, just over halfway through the year. It's week 10. And I feel like that we still don't know who a lot of these teams are at this point. No, we don't. I mean, every week, we're just as soon as you figure, you feel like you got somebody figured out. Um, you know, it's it's like they they regress, they take a step back. You know, just as soon as we think the Rams are firing on all cylinders, they, you know, lay an egg against Tennessee um, without Derrick Henry. Um, you know, just as soon as we think the Cardinals get it figured out and they could have a run, they lose to Green Bay. Um, so. All these teams are – I don't know if November is going to be the month that we figure it out or we're going to, you know, have to wait till the end of December to really know who's who. What's really funny to me, look at the uh, NFC, for example, okay? The uh, NFC conference race, as things stand right now, um, the Cowboys, Packers, Bucks, and Cardinals are your division leaders. And your next wild card spot goes to the Rams, well, then your next wild card spot after that would go to the Saints. And then after that, it's a whole lot of teams that really just don't deserve to even be in the discussion, but we have to have seven teams make the playoffs. So right now, if the playoffs started today, the Atlanta Falcons would be the seven seed in the NFC. And trailing them, you have Carolina at four and five. And then a bunch of three and five and three and six teams with the likes of Minnesota, Chicago, Philly, the Giants, Seattle, yada, yada, yada. Um, like, are there too many teams making the postseason? I mean, I'm all for more games and such. You know, we're going to have, what is it? What do they call it? Super wild card weekend. But it's, it's almost too much, too much of a good thing, Tom, when you see that uh, one of these bad teams is on track to make the postseason. There's, about seven teams that can make that seventh seed that are in contention for it. And all seven are not worthy of that playoff spot. 
No, they're not. I mean, it's, you know, and things might change and maybe the records will shore up where they need to be. But, you know, if they did start now, it would be kind of like a, I don't know, I'm <laughs> bleep me out here. It'd be like a mother charity event. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if you're I the mean, seventh seed in the NFC right now, you have to be the Nickelodeon game, right? This is a requirement. <laughs> Or it better be. I mean, it's, you know, it's just like, okay, now we're just letting anybody in. Uh, right. At that point, it's like, all right, well, you know, you, you there, better, there should be. You better get slimed on on Nickelodeon if you're that seven seed. Right at this point. I mean, if we're letting everybody in, you know, just take the number one seed and uh, pit them against the first week, just pit them against the worst team in the NFL just to see, you know, just to see how bad. Let's see the. Let's let's determine you know what's the gap between the best and the worst team, um, and, and well, then go, the go from Bills there. just lost to the uh, Jags uh, by a nice score of a uh, six to nine, and you know the Jags were just jagging off on their way to victory, you know, and like who saw that coming? Josh Allen, you know, outplayed Josh Allen. Right, maybe the maybe the Bills need to trade. Oh, I guess the trade deadline's too far, so. Um, you know, let's uh, get Josh Allen to the Bills. You know, you can never so, have too many Josh Allens. I guess not. I mean, I no. Obviously, they need another Josh Allen to uh, keep the energy up because um, that was a very low energy game. It was. Let's look at the games this week tonight. Thursday night football. Ravens taking on the Dolphins. Ravens favored by seven and a half. If the Ravens play to their potential, they should have this game wrapped up by halftime, Tom. Um, the Ravens, you could argue, one of the more surprising teams with all the injuries they had to begin in the year, especially at the running back position. The Dolphins, the most disappointing team in the league this year. What do you think of this matchup? Yeah, I mean, this is like um, one of those games. It's like, well, you know, if it's on, it's one of those games you only watch if it comes on red zone. Um, you know, but it's I, on I Thursday night. It's the only game on now. Oh, so I, I guess that's true. So there should be a red zone that you can watch only for this game, and it's only going to be the Ravens in the red zone. <laughs> I say that, and Mike Flores is going to make me eat my words. But do you really see the Dolphins even getting close on this? No. Exactly. I mean, this is – you know, I don't what, – what sucks is Thursday nights I usually host karaoke, so I don't get to watch the Thursday night game. But somehow, Jones, every time, and it never fails, and this is why they're on Thursday night, Joe and Troy always make these games feel important. Yeah. This has no implications. Well, maybe for the Ravens more so than the Dolphins. But, you know, at this point, I think Flores is probably coaching for his job. It, what, what is it that makes – makes it so important with Joe and Troy. Is it is it Joe's tall hair or something? Like it's like the, the intro. They both have the like a distinct playoff voice. To me it's Aaron Andrews. Like when Aaron Andrews is on my screen, nothing else matters. Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. She's she's I wonder I don't know how old is she. You think she's about 40 by now? She's still got that girl next door vibe going. I mean, no, that's what I was gonna say. Let's see how old she is. Aaron Andrews, she is 43. She, I think, is going to age gracefully just the way that Jennifer Aniston has. 
She's the second coming of Jennifer. Like a fine line. Right, exactly. She's still going to be hot at 60. Absolutely. Now, we're not going to be like Terry Bradshaw, you know, and, and uh, you know, what he did a couple weeks ago when he uh, went all kind of creeper mode, you know, with the saying that she looked good with her, her shirt, you know, and her boots and all that. We, we, we won't go down that route. We'll leave that I did not. I did not hear that. Yeah. Um, it wasn't one of Terry's best moments. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I love how we spent more time talking about the broadcast crew than really the game itself. But I mean, that's kind of how it is, right? Ravens should win. They'll be fine. Falcons and Cowboys. Falcons, as we mentioned, would be in the playoffs if it started today. Cowboys last week laid quite the egg against Denver. Dak didn't look 100%. Tom, I would be surprised if the Cowboys do that again. I think last week was an anomaly of sorts. I don't think the Falcons are very good. I think Cowboys are going to be just fine at home here. Yeah, I think so too. And But, I mean, it did catch me by surprise the same way the Rams laying an egg caught me by surprise. Um, be hard pressed to see that from the Cowboys again, or maybe you know, and if it is, maybe this is the down. What what's the Cowboys record right now? Six and can two. They still go okay, so they can still go eight and nine. Maybe this is the down. Maybe this is where it downturns. But you know, only a Cowboy hater can dream. They got to run the football. They can't let Dak throw it forty and forty five times, whatever. They got to establish the run. Get Zeke and. Tony Pollard going with that run game. Kellen Moore's got to have some balance. They have a balance attack. They're going to be okay. Saints taking on the Titans. The Saints are a mess with their quarterback situation right now. As uh, Jameis, of course, is out uh, for a while. And then, uh, you know, still uh, waiting to see when uh, we're going to see Taysom Hill come back. He was dealing with that concussion on the uh, – injury that he suffered and uh you know a, a, several weeks ago it looks like i believe that he has been cleared i think that he's going to play um you know then you had you know trevor simeon playing for a bit and such and whatnot meanwhile the saints have found themselves five and three they let one slip away against atlanta last week the titans with that big win against the rams and they did so without derrick henry now Going forward with this Titans team, you don't have Derrick Henry, but you're still going to try to be physical and run the football. You bring in Adrian Peterson and such. I wonder how long this is going to last, how long this is going to work for the Titans before they have to adjust and Tannenhill has to run the foot, has to throw the football more. I think the Titans in the short term are going to be okay that they can play through this. I don't know about the long term, Tom, when it comes to contending for the AFC in the Super Bowl if they can get there without Derrick Henry? No, I don't think so. Um, unless they – you know, unless uh, AD has a, um, you know, a, um, coming, you know, welcome back party where he's what he was 10 years ago, I don't think so because that's such their identity. Um, you know, and, and Tannehill, granted, for what I've seen from him this year, he's played pretty well as, a, as an actual passer. Um, whereas the year they were, you know, up against the Chiefs um, and what beat the Chiefs or not beat the Chiefs, but close, um, you know, that it was obviously more run centric than can he can he will his team um, later on in this? I mean, I don't think it's a question if they're going to make the playoffs or not, obviously look at their division. Um, but is that going to fly in the divisional round? Probably not. 
Um, granted, there's still a lot of time to figure that out. McNichols don't think is the answer. It's more of a pass catching back. Um, I mean, they'll, they'll have to figure out, right? Uh, I mean, you have the weapons. It's not like you don't have anybody at receiver. Hell, you have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. You know, Julio Jones looks like a shell of his former self, but um, it's better than having nobody out there. So it's not like he doesn't have somebody to throw to. Right. Uh, how about the uh, Colts and the Jags? Colts put up a lot of points last week on Thursday night football, 45 to be exact. Carson Wentz played really good in that win last week. The Jags coming off their first win in the United States as they beat the Bills last week, as he mentioned. All of a sudden, we haven't been talking about Urban Meyer lately, that things have simmered down. Things have quieted a lot, and it doesn't look like the USC job is an option for Urban Meyer right now. As crazy it may as it may be, it looks like that Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence probably going to be tied at the hip for a while. I would be, we've gone from Tom Urban Meyer wondering if he was going to make it through through the season to probably the odds have changed now where I'd be shocked if Urban Meyer is not back next year. It's not necessarily that they've played a whole lot better as of late. I mean, they've played a little bit better. They They have two wins to their record, you know, after that slow start, but just the fact that the noise has simmered down here. I think the Colts are going to be fine here. They'll win this game. But um, I, I will say that I am uh, – I'm a little impressed that the direction has changed of sorts in Jacksonville in the, in the last month or so. Right, and it's, it's kind of had to. I mean, I feel like this season it's been week by week. It feels – this year in the NFL feels like a lot like um, – usually how the NBA goes, right? Like it's a story week by week. It's something new. There's some new beef. There's some new storyline. Um, and so I think the best thing for the Jags is I don't think they're going to keep playing. I mean, I don't think they're going to be near as bad as we thought they were per se, but I, I think they're, you know, they're obviously not going to make the playoffs and they'll have a top 10 pick, but I think the best thing for them, and I think they probably found this out real quick, they got to stay out of the spotlight. You know, just shut up and take the loss and and kind of work internally to figure out how to get better. Um, I think they know that the worst thing for them, at least the coaching staff, is to stay out of that spotlight. Um, and, you know, so far they have, and now it's everyone's kind of moved on from the Urban Meyer thing to other issues. Like, you know, last week, not to downplay it at all because it's a terrible tragedy, but Henry Ruggs. Um you know, what's it going to be this week? As long as you're not the this week, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Brown's taking out the Patriots. Both these teams at five and four. And this is a put up or shut up game for both these teams. The Patriots have played a lot better the last several weeks. Bill Belichick really starting to turn that thing around. And that defense has come to life. Meanwhile, the Browns, they move on from Odell. Their offense looked great last week in their first game without Odell Beckham against a good Cincinnati team in a rivalry game nonetheless. Both these teams trying to make the playoffs. Browns are not out of the division race in the AFC North at this point in time. Tom, big game for uh, both these teams here. It might be a uh, – uh, loser goes home, might be out of the playoff race. Uh, who gets eliminated? Who uh, loses this one here? Big game for both these squads. You, you pretty much could call it a must-win game here. 
Yeah, you know, after the Browns couldn't pull off, you know, the game against the Steelers and, you know, the, the Patriots kind of surging, I, I feel like, you know, it's, you know, at this point, the Patriots aren't going to get past, they're not going to win that division. I don't, I don't knock on wood. I don't think they're going to take over that division from the Bills. But, um, you know, for the Browns, you, you know, kind of have everybody in the mix there. Um, it's everyone's kind of in the same place a little bit. So it is put up or shut up time. And I don't, I don't know if they'll have Nick Chubb or not. I don't know if he's coming back from illness or not. That means Dearness Johnson probably will get to start. Can they muster enough to stick around? I, I mean, I like what the, how the Patriots are playing. Mac Jones has looked really good. Yeah. Mac Jones has been the best rookie quarterback this year and it's not even close. So uh, should be a fun one there between the uh, Patriots and the Browns. We're going to pick that one coming up later on in the football fix. Bills taking on the Jets. Mike White is back for another start for the Jets. He was injured in the third quarter last week on Thursday night football, but he's good to go. And he's brought some life to this Jets offense. He's outplayed Zach Wilson by a mile as the starting quarterback for the Jets. Meanwhile, the Bills coming off that loss last week against the Jags. Totally unexpected. They're at five and three now. I would expect the Bills to bounce back big time here. Uh, you know, I, I like Mike White. I'm rooting on the guy, Tom, but I think the uh, Bills are going to win this one running away. There's no disrespect to our guy, Mike White. We're, we're Mike White fans, but I think the uh, the Bills are going to take care of business pretty easily here. Yeah, you would hope they would bounce back. And, you know, after the, you know, the first game when they looked like absolute trash, what was that against the Steelers? Um, you know, they kind of had a resurgence and uh, were dominant. So I look for them to probably do the same here. You know, they kind of threw the game away against the Titans, could have a little bit better record. Um, just, you know, I think they'll be, you know, what a game, what a, what a team to play to bounce back. The Lions and the Steelers, the Lions coming off a of bye week, they're still 0-8 on the year. The Steelers at 5-3, and three. the Steelers, get out of Monday night's game alive against the Bears in a game that they probably should have lost, uh, but, you know, got some help from the officials late in the ball game there. But you look at the Steelers, five and three, and they've had some quality wins as of late, you know, that, you know, beating the Browns and getting that win against the Bears and such. Big Ben has played a lot better the last several weeks after the rough start that he had to the season. And how about T.J. Watt? Can we talk about T.J. Watt for a second? I mean, wow, he has looked like the best defensive player in the league this year. He was unstoppable on Monday night. He's already got ten and a half sacks on the season through eight games at this point. T.J. Watt somehow is still not getting enough credit for how well of a job he's doing and putting up monster numbers and just un unblockable each and every week and he's putting this team on his back putting that Steeler defense on his back Steelers in the playoff hunt still at this point in time probably going to win this week go up to six and three a bit of a surprise after the Steelers went through a rough stretch but I think T.J. Watt deserves a lot of credit for where the Steelers are at right now Tom oh yeah it definitely does I mean I think it's probably the defensive player of the year race probably obviously you know, Aaron Donald's going to be it, be in it every year for seems like forever. But the other two players that probably will win it this year, I think, would be T.J. Watt or Trayvon Diggs. And I think it's really down to those two. I think so. I think so. I like what I've seen from T.J. Watt. 
the Steelers paid him a lot of money in his last contract deal, Tom. But looking at that game Monday night, I think you can say he's worth every penny. Probably should actually be getting paid more money with the performance that he's putting together uh, each week. Uh, I love TJ Watt. I'm excited to see him really blossom. And his prime is just now starting right now. Watch out for TJ Watt when he could get done. Bucks taking on the football team. Bucks are close to a 10-point favorite on the road. Tom Brady and company sitting at six and two. Tom, should be easy, easy going here for the Bucks on, on Sunday against Washington. Oh yeah. I mean, I think they're gonna the Bucks are gonna keep rolling. And and you know, for a Washington football team, I think they're going to, you know, probably get some garbage time points. It seems they always do, but uh, this shouldn't be a problem for Tom Brady and crew. This is not going to be like the playoff game last year when Washington had a chance to win. This is going to be a much different ball game. Tampa wins running away. Panthers taking on the Cardinals. The Panthers are bringing in Cam Newton. Don't know if he's going to give it a go this week. I would expect P.J. Walker to get the start with Darnold out for a little while. You know, out, what is it, four to six weeks. Darnold hasn't been playing too well. Um and McCaffrey has been dealing with some injuries and such here. Um, Arizona expecting to get Kyler Murray back. Colt McCoy played really good last week in, uh, in fill-in duty for uh, Kyler Murray. Whether it's Murray or whether it's Colt McCoy, whatever it may be, this Cardinals team is playing so good right now. They're going to be just fine against Carolina either way, Tom. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Carolina can, you know, maybe stick around for a little bit, of, you know, but I'd, I don't know what the line is on that game, but I expect the Cardinals to cover where it is. Cardinals are 10.5-point favorite. Yeah, I believe it. Vikings taking on the Chargers. Chargers at 5-3, and three, Vikings at 3-5. and five. Mike Zimmer still employed in Minnesota. Don't ask me why. Chargers at 5-3. and three. Brandon Staley's done a really good job this season. And, you know, they've taken their lumps from time to time, but the Chargers – still in first place in their division. They're in great shape at this point. I just want to see a little more consistency out of this Chargers team. Tom, if they are going to be a, a true contender in the AFC, you know, we know that they're, you know, they're a good football team, that they're leading the AFC West. But if they're going to take that next step and compete for the top of the AFC, this team's got to be more consistent. The way that they've played when they've, you know, taken their lumps of sorts – you know, a, a team like Minnesota could be the type that surprises them, catches them off guard. If they're not playing their best, they can lose this football game. Minnesota is capable of beating a team like the Chargers here. I think the Chargers, this is one that they can't let uh, slip away here. they got to put their best foot forward from the jump. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you know, Minnesota, they, they're disappointing in the fact that they have the talent to be great, in my opinion. Um, but they're not, and usually when that usually it comes down to coaching, when that's the case, and you know we are a pro Mike pro fire Mike Zimmer podcast here, um, but can they still win? I believe so. The Chargers are susceptible. I think maybe they're still kind of young. You know, Justin Herbert obviously is young. They're still susceptible of if you don't come out put your best foot forward, you're going to get walked. Um, so this, I mean, I think this could be a good game. Which Chargers team are we going to be, which type of Chargers team are we going to see? I guess, you know, from the same viewpoint, you could say, which Vikings team are we going to see? Yeah. 
Oh, you're absolutely right about that. The Eagles taking on the Broncos. The Broncos played their best game of the year last week in that road win against the Cowboys and really just came alive. And one of the questions that we asked on last week's show was, when they traded off on Miller, were the Broncos kind of thrown in the towel in the season at that point? They had a 500 record. You trade off your best defensive player. What are you doing? But the way that they played last week, and Teddy Bridgewater has played very well this year, leading them at the quarterback position. You have to look at this Broncos team as still a playoff threat at this point. They have not gone away. Meanwhile, the Eagles have been up and down, but Jalen Hurts has played very well. He's just struggling to find much talent around him of some sorts. Again, we talk about consistency. What Eagles team and what Broncos team is going to show up? I would lean towards the Broncos in this game, but I don't know what what team is going to show up for for either side here, Tom. Right. I mean, you know, the Eagles went out and won Detroit. It's not saying much. Um, who did they? Who did the Eagles play last week? They have a bye week. No, they played. Oh, they they barely lost to the Chargers, so not terrible, but. Uh, you know, you're right. Which team is going to show up? Is it going to be the same Broncos team trotting out on the field this week um, from when they beat the Cowboys? I mean, this is another one kind of like, you know, the Vikings and the Chargers. Who's going to show up? Um, you know, what if both teams show up? Are we having a shootout then? Um, I mean, if the Broncos defense can show up the way they did against the Cowboys, I'd like Denver here. Yeah. Uh, I like Denver here as well, but I don't say that with a whole lot of confidence. Seahawks taking out the Packers. Both these teams expecting their quarterbacks to come back. Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson both uh, expected to play on Sunday in this matchup. And on the Green Bay side of things, Aaron Rodgers lets his team down last week. We're not going to dive into the whole COVID business and all that. You know, there's there's plenty of shows that are having that conversation, but Now you go into this week and you get your quarterback back. You realize Jordan Love wasn't ready. I think that locker room is going to be just fine. I think the morale is going to be good to have Aaron Rodgers back. And this team is going to be just fine. And I don't expect it to be an issue the rest of the way here. Uh, You know, them having their star quarterback. Meanwhile, the Seattle team, Tom, they are one that I think they are better than what their record indicates. They are three and five, but they were without Russell Wilson for a period of time. You get him back. You have all that talent offensively here. Green Bay's favored, but I think that Seattle's very capable of making this a, a good football game. And you look at Aaron Rodgers not showing up till Saturday when he gets off the COVID list here, they're going to have to put their best foot forward because Seattle could very well win this game and, and it wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think for Seattle, I don't think all is lost on the season just yet. Um, and you do have the Rams and the, and the Cardinals in the division, but, you know, with another playoff spot, I think the Seattle team is obviously better than the freaking Falcons. So, you I mean, you look at it, they have the Packers. I think this is a must-win game because then you play the Cardinals. After that, you got Washington. You got the 49ers at home. You go play the Texans. You do have the Rams again. Um, you have the Bears, the Lions, and the Cards. So I, I think this is one of those turning point games. If they can pull this one off, you know, maybe you get to, um, you know, a 12-5 and five record. I don't think they're going to win out. But 
maybe you get to like a 10 and seven um, and you hope, you know, maybe for the playoffs. I mean, if they have Russell Wilson the whole way through, they're on probably the opposite end of the spectrum. They're probably five and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. This is going to be an interesting game for both teams. Yeah. Um, because the Packers, you know, they're right up there with the Rams trying to vibe for that top spot. Rams, Packers, Cardinals. So we'll see. They, that'd, be, that'd be a game I'd watch. Yeah, for sure. The Chiefs taking on the Raiders on Sunday Night Football. We're going to have more on this game with Jordan Foote joins us coming up in just a few moments from right now. But you look at this one, you talk about turning point games. This is it right here. I don't think there's any turning back for either one of these teams if they lose this one. The Chiefs, if they lose, then they fall to five and five. And I think that you can kiss everything goodbye if you're losing a divisional game in November and you have a 500 record. The Raiders, we all know what they went through. You know, John Gruden, Henry Ruggs, you know, all this stuff. It has been a mess there in Las Vegas, but they have still managed to hang on to be five and three at this point. Tom, I look at this. I think that the Raiders, the wall is coming. They are about to start falling apart here. And I think we already saw the fall start to happen, losing to the lowly Giants last week in that game. I'm not picking the Chiefs to win this game necessarily about the Chiefs. To me, this is more about the Raiders and the downward spiral the Raiders are beginning to go on here. The Chiefs have not played a complete football game all year where they looked great on offense and defense in the same game. They've had games where they looked great on one side of the ball but not the other all throughout the year. They're still looking to find their consistency. They still can figure it out, and I think their best football is still in front of them. However, I do not feel that way at all about the Raiders. I think the Raiders, we're we're about to start to see the beginning of the end of the Raiders and uh, their playoff hopes here. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the Chiefs got gifted a game last week, essentially. Still, I mean, granted, Packers defense isn't bad, but, I mean, Mahomes wasn't very impressive. He hasn't been very impressive in a while. He hasn't even been good in a while, Um, you know. So, I don't – you've seen Ted Lasso. For anybody who's seen Ted Lasso, there's a couple of players out there that need to see Dr. Sharon. Um. Patrick Mahomes needs to go and see Dr. Sharon from Ted Lasso. Something's ever since he had a kid, he's not been the goat. Um, I don't say that as a Chiefs hater or kid hater, but uh, what is he? Is he just been lucky lately? Is it? I don't want to call it luck that he's been this good so far. Um, is a defensive defensive? Bleh, sorry, can't talk defensive playbooks or defensive minded coaches. It finally took four years to figure out Patrick Mahomes. Um, I don't know if that's it either. Um, but for the Chiefs to not only win this game, but then make the playoffs and have a chance or get back to the old Chiefs, one, Dan Sorensen has to go, but that's not even most important. Most important thing, Patrick Mahomes has to get back to playing like Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. I don't know what has happened. Yeah, I don't know what's happened either. I think that he's very capable of turning on a switch and getting back to the Patrick Mahomes we know and love. But it's got to happen if this team's going to do anything. It's got to happen pretty soon. Uh, I think that's for sure. 
Last game before we wrap up here, the Rams taking on the 49ers, Monday night football. Rams 7-2, and two, Niners at 3-5. and five. The Niners have been such a hot mess this year. And, you know, they've had a lot of injuries. I get that with Garoppolo and Kittle and, and the list goes on and on of the issues that they've dealt with. And the Rams, last week, they lay an egg in that game against Tennessee – Matt Stafford has the worst game of his entire season, but you're going to get that every once in a while from Matt Stafford. I'm not concerned about this Rams team. The Rams are going to be just fine. I think they're still one of the best teams in the NFC. Last week was an anomaly, just like it was with the Cowboys. I think the Rams are going to be okay. San Francisco, meanwhile, with what they've been through, I think it's time to start questioning Kyle Shanahan, Tom. I think this goes beyond just injuries for the problems that the Niners are facing, I think now we have to start examining their head coach and and some of the decisions that Kyle Shanahan has made there. Well, you know, you say that. I'm not so sure about the Rams in this game. Let me tell you the last time the Rams have beaten the 49ers. It was Sunday, December 30th, 2018. 2018. The 49ers have won four straight against the Rams. And, you know, granted, 49ers not bad in the last two seasons. Not, I mean, I guess last year, not very good. Um, but, you know, it is division rivalry. But, listen, anything can happen in division. Um, like I said, the McVay hasn't beaten them since 2018. Um, I'm As a Rams fan, I'm a little bit nervous about this game. Somehow McVeigh has a 49er complex the same way the Cardinals had a Ram complex of not beating them for like, I think it was, I don't want to call it eight straight, but it might have been um, games against the Rams that they hadn't beat them in. Starting to look the same way here for the Rams. I'm a, I'm, they didn't call him Downton Thomas for anything. I'm not helping on the Rams necessarily outright going in and, and put one on the 49ers. I, this is not a bounce back game I would want for the Rams, but. We're going to see on Monday night. 49ers, you mentioned it, though. If the Rams do come in and win, I know they've dealt with injuries, the 49ers have, but if they come in and take a, just an ass whoop, uh, you got to – Shanahan, I think, is already probably on the hot seat. It just gets a little bit warmer. The Rams come in and handle business like they need to. Yeah, I think you're right about that. We'll have more on the Chiefs and the matchup with the Raiders with Jordan Foote when he joins us. Coming up in just a few moments from right now. Also, got Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, our Tom Fullery story of the week. Also, got our Big 12 breakdown. Still more to come. Jordan Foote joins us next. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. Pleased to welcome in to the show from Sports Illustrated covering the Kansas City Chiefs. It is Jordan Foote who is back on the program once again. Jordan, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. I, I feel like, you know, with this being the fall of foot, you and I should be sitting down enjoying a couple cigars together right now. Instead, we're, we're over Zoom having this this uh, fireside chat of sorts. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to have a Zoom kind of power hour um, with some cigars, get a whole little display set up. And, man, uh, always good to be back. I'm super excited to chat with you today, so thanks for having me. Of course, Jordan. And uh, before we dive into too much shop, tell the folks uh, what have you been up to these days, man. Congrats on finishing up at Baker, and you get so much going on. What's uh, what's going on with you? 
Yeah, man, just really trying to take off with this uh, Sports Illustrated stuff. A lot of cool opportunities there. Joshua Briscoe is great over at Arrowhead Report. Um, let me be his right-hand man, and I um, inherited the Royals site. I'm the head honcho over there at Inside the Royals. So really just it's a good time to go for Kansas City sports. I think it's a good landscape, good people, um, hopefully good teams. The Royals will be a little bit better soon. That'll be um, a natural kind of driver. People want to talk about it, further that conversation. Um, so really just kind of going with the flow, and I'm um, enjoying this kind of KC media landscape right now. Well, and we're going to focus on the uh, Chiefs today, but the Royals, their season you know, has been over for quite some time, obviously. But looking ahead, you know, you, you, of course, Bobby Witt expected to get called up next year. Um, you know, that, that side of the field, credit to Tom Martin for saying this, but uh, I, I saw this uh, is being dubbed uh, Nicky Bobby over there. I hadn't heard that one before, and I that sounds like a Tom Martin thing to say, which is not an insult. It's a compliment, I think. Uh, man, that's going to be awesome. I'm excited. I saw that John Morosi tweeted the whole um, Bobby Witt Jr. base thing, which is going to be interesting. Keeping that, if you can keep the talent together and field it at the right spots, um, I think it's going to help. If the Royals can just somehow get – their nine most talented guys in the lineup and figure it out defensively, I think they're going to be pretty solid. In my mind, I feel like Patrick and Bobby are going to be like best friends in the faces of Kansas City for a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah, in an ideal world, that's definitely how it's going to unfold. I love it. Uh, the Chiefs sitting above 500 finally after that win against Green Bay and they take on the Raiders this week. We'll talk about the matchup with the Raiders in just a second, but Jordan, what's kind of your thoughts on where this team is at currently at five and four? Oh man, it's, it's been multiple seasons packed into one, I think, and we're, we might be in the middle of another one. Um, if the Chiefs can win Sunday, I think I would officially declare them quote unquote back. I kind of have been waiting for, you know, them to beat a quality team. The Giants aren't exactly that. Green Bay without Rodgers, not quite as um, lethal, I suppose, offensively. Completely different games. So it's hard to get a firm read on where the Chiefs are right now. Um, they say you are what your record says you are. The Chiefs are 5-4. and four. They've had some good games, had some bad games. Lots of inconsistency across the board. Oddly enough, I think I'm more worried about the offense than the defense, which if you would have asked me weeks one, two, three, or four, I would have been the craziest you know, person on earth to think that. Um, but that just kind of unravels that dichotomy that's been the Chiefs so far. So what can they do about that offense? We know that Patrick Mahomes obviously can cut back on the turnovers, but is there an immediate fix of some sorts? Is it fixable what they're going through offensively, you think? Um. I- Odell Beckham Jr. would help, I think, a great deal. I personally do not think it's going to happen. I think he ends up either in New England or Green Bay. Um, With that said, internally, to improve without making any um, external additions, may getting Josh Gordon more involved. Like, I get the whole it's been five weeks, he only has one catch. He could be washed up, quote-unquote. It could also be the quarterback not getting him the ball, the offensive coordinator and the head coach not putting him in the best of positions. Um, I think I hate to say it because he's so good and I know he's going to snap out of it. It it starts ends with Patrick Mahomes. I think got to be better in all facets. He's losing confidence, um, or at least he was earlier in the season. I think he's shown flashes of getting it back. 
Um, the Chiefs, I think maybe with the timing of the Super Bowl and the surgery in the offseason and all the stuff he had going on, then coming back into camp and really worrying about the offensive line, McCall Hardman, the running back position. I think everyone just kind of expected Patrick Mahomes to embrace being the pocket passer, and he still hasn't embraced it. I think that that's partially on Andy Reid, partially on the the skill position players, partially on the line. A lot of it falls on Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it certainly does. And we've seen what Patrick can do when he's playing it to his full potential of, of sorts. You know, I, I look at it and it feels like, Jordan, that at any time Patrick can turn on that switch. We've seen the greats go through slumps of some sorts. To me, that's what I feel like all this is, that – we could be looking at even as early as next week, Patrick Mahomes turns it on. I don't see this as a, an ongoing issue that's going to riddle this team. Do you, you think he's going to get over this pretty soon here? I think so. Um, I could see it being a season-long thing where it takes an entire offseason for getting fully comfortable. But, again, like you said, all the greats have went through stuff like this. None of the greats, even Tom Brady, they have had stretches or entire years of play where they weren't their best. It, it, the progression arc is not always a necessarily linear thing, especially at a, a league like the NFL, where your entire offensive line can be replaced and you're one player out of 53 on the roster and all that good stuff, coaching changes, all that. Um, the Chiefs luckily have had mostly consistent stuff in terms of coaches and players. Granted, the offensive line is all new. Uh, it's definitely not all on Patrick Mahomes. I think that last play um, last week against the Packers, I don't put as much stock into it as some people do in terms of it being like an aha moment perhaps for Mahomes. But if he could remind himself that he can do that stuff and that he has two players on the field at all times that can do that stuff, you can see how visibly relieved. It was like part excited, part relieved that – Hey, I can do this again. Um, he's he had a really good quote Wednesday about basically along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, of course. I know the defense can do well now. I trust this. I trust that, um, and I don't have to score seven on every player every drive, or I don't have to force us to do it. It can come naturally, which I think shows maturity. And he knows that he's still only 26. Right. Like we can't really, he's still young. He's still learning. Um, his thirties are going to be insane once he masters the mental part of the game. Um, and I think, like you said, all the greats go through it and he's going to get through it eventually. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at the tape being out there on Patrick, of course, teams were going to catch up to some extent. Now it's his time to respond, to answer that. All right. Okay. You got the tape on me. But now I got something up my sleeve here. And that's where I think what we've talked about for the last couple of years, Jordan, is we've seen so much out of Patrick. Now we need to see a little bit more of some sorts. And, and I believe full heartedly that that's still there. The we, we I don't think we've seen the best version of Patrick Mahomes yet. No, there's no way. And people, I'm going to make the Lamar Jackson comparison, not to say they're the same player because obviously they're not, but heading into the year, can Lamar Jackson bring his team back from behind? Can Lamar Jackson throw outside the numbers? Can Lamar Jackson do this? Can he win from the pocket? Can he be less reckless? 
he's answered every question this year. Like yeah. he's been abs. He might be the MVP right now. He's been that good. Patrick Mahomes. We haven't had to see him respond to that level of adversity. People haven't questioned him. People haven't challenged him to be better at this, that, or the other. The team has been great. The coaching has been great. The situation has been great. They've been fortunate. Everything has broke correctly for the Chiefs outside of some offensive line injuries. And obviously, you're ignorant if you blame the Super Bowl on Patrick Mahomes or say that he didn't play about almost as well as he could have, all things considered, um, injury especially. I think that, man, this is a chance, like you said, for him to rise up and improve. And if he is one of the greats, which obviously I think he's still the best in the league once he gets back to that, yes. um, he's going to be able to do it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. And it's got to start with help around him. Getting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire back this week will be big. But, man, I, I get so infuriated, Jordan, when I see McCole Hardman on the field. And when you want to talk about potential – Here's a guy that has all the speed you can ask for and just isn't getting it done. There's miscommunication all the time, him running the wrong routes and such. I mean, once you get past Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, there's such a big drop-off right now, it seems. It's it's something, man. And when, when defenses are being extra physical with Kelsey on top of him already being banged up, he's had a rough year. Um, Hill has been banged up. You know, when Sammy Watkins was there, even when he wasn't effective, the threat of Sammy Watkins required extra attention. Yeah, You couldn't just leave him one-on-one and say, hey, you're on an island with Sammy Watkins every single down because he would eat those games. And then when yes. you said, well, we're going to put two on Sammy Watkins or when Kareem Hunt was there where you're going to hone in on the running game, defenses don't have to do that now. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been either injured or – kind of a replacement level running back. And I like Clyde Edwards Lair. I think he can still be better than that. Um, he's had good games. Definitely. The Chiefs don't have a great running game right now, despite the offensive line being absolutely phenomenal at run blocking. Um, McCole Hardman hasn't broken out. I don't think he's really progressed much at all, which is disheartening to see Demarcus Robinson, not the 1,000 yard, 10 touchdown season he advertised. Um, I don't know why anyone thought that was going to happen. And then Josh Gordon, no one, well, not many people expected him to be even 2018 Josh Gordon, but like 80% of that. If he could give the Chiefs most of what he could do a couple of years ago, that'd be huge. That would be Sammy Watkins level production. It'd be a big body. It'd be a downfield threat. Heck, even 70% of that. Um, and he, for one reason or another, I think part of it's on him. Again, none of these things are 100% on one player. I think at the NFL, it's hardly ever that. Even a guy like Dan Sorensen, not everything <laughs> can be pinned on him. Oh, boy. Um, despite, yeah, despite what people want to. Um, speaking of which, I know we're going to go on a tangent here briefly. Did you see the chart on Twitter? I did not, actually. Okay. I, I knew you would know if I said the chart. It was. It was a direct side-by-side -side comparison of like Chiefs defense points per game allowed or like EPA or something and Dan Sorensen snap count and literally down to the like up down you, you see the the difference. I gotta it find was, like almost a direct correlation. It was uh I Scott need to see this Warren. in real time. Let's yeah, look see. up uh at Chiefs channel on Twitter. Um it, go to his media. He tweeted it probably a couple days back. Um, man, it right. was 
it was astounding. I mean, I know that Dan Sorensen has oh, led oh, this, to wow. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah. This is something. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. The poor Gosh. guy. Yeah. Um, folks, I'll retweet this just so that <laughs> you can see. Um, this tells everything uh, <laughs> with Dan Sorensen. And my goodness, you know, you and I have been very anti Dan Sorensen for a long time. And I feel like, Jordan, that this year people are just now catching up to how bad this guy actually is. Man, I, and I mean, like Jordan I, Love made him look like a pro bowler last week, yeah. but you know, prior to that, <laughs> I almost I almost feel bad for him because he whatever athleticism he had is clearly gone now and he just isn't there, but he's still being put on the field. Like you can't totally bench him. I don't think the Chiefs have the heart to do that, but it would almost protect him and the team at this point. I think it was Steve Spagnolo. I think that he's gotten a little bit too much blame this year. Um, that's probably a hot take. I don't think Spags is 100% the problem, but he has been a pretty stubborn defensive coordinator throughout his time in the NFL. Um, the Dan Sorensen switch took far too long. Mm-hmm. The, you know, keeping Ben even on the field, he's Sorensen in plenty of third downs in that um, third down passing package. It's just interesting, I think, to see. Um, but that early down Dan Sorts and snap count and the early down EPA and the scoring allowed, it's it's damning. I, I It's almost a direct correlation, too, which is insane. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, it really is. And, you know, I, I like Brett Veach, you know, and, and he's done a great job for the most part. But when I look across the board and see, okay, McCole Hardman not getting it done. Uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, not getting it done. Juan Thornhill, how the hell are you? You've not beaten out Dan Sorensen by now to get him off the field. Some of these things, I mean, these are high draft picks that that Veach has missed on in some valuable positions, it seems. And and that's why when they traded a sixth round pick for Melvin Ingram, I joked and said, Well, I would have rather him traded a first, second, or third. Like Veach's nails when it comes to those late round picks, you give him a pick on day one or day two he hasn't been able to hit very often. Like those early picks granted he's super aggressive. He's traded some of those first round picks away. Um, the Orlando Brown trade is going to be interesting to see unravel. I think he's played better. He started off a little shaky. I still don't think he's going to be worth that top five left tackle money. He might end up wanting, Right. Um, but the chiefs, he has leverage on them. They need him. They can't draft a replacement very easily. Um, they have other holes to fill, <laughs> I think, with draft picks. Beach needs to start hitting. He granted this draft was a good one for him. I think a very strong draft class. Um, got two starters along the offensive line. Got a starting linebacker. Got guys with potential. Like, he had the whole mix. If you can hit on four out of seven and know you're going to hit out of four out of seven, that's a pretty good draft. I think that they'd take that seven days a week, um, 365 days a year. But like you said – those early picks should be easier to hit on, not not harder to. And McCole Hardman, say what you want about where the Tyree Kill thing was at that point. Still, other options on the board. Clyde Edwards-Solaire. Jonathan Taylor's been so freaking good with the Colts. Like, it's, DeAndre it's revisionist. Yes, yeah, it's revisionist history to that's say, the, you know, look at these guys. That's but the part, sucks. Jordan. That's, that's the part to me that, that stings is, 
I'm all for giving these guys time to develop. I get that. But then when you see, okay, DK Metcalf is one of the best receivers in the league. And it's not just one. Right. Terry McLaurin, like all those guys that Michael Pittman, like, oh my goodness. And sure. Yes. Sometimes it takes guys longer to develop than others. I get that. I totally do. But that just stings a little bit more when you see an all pro player already at that position. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. It's tough. Um, I think the Clyde Edwards Lair thing is interesting. I I had a draft crush on him. I thought he was great at Me LSU. Too. I thought he nothing has translated. His his above average athleticism is now average. His acceleration is now average. His breaking tackle ability hasn't been there. His contact balance hasn't been there. They haven't utilized him as a receiver enough. Like part of that's on the Chiefs. Yes, he's been injured, but also. Like if you're a first round running back in the modern NFL, you need to pop immediately. You you can't be developed as a first round running back. Like right. Najee Harris with the Steelers, he's been utilized super 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 heavily. The production might not be there yet, but at least you know they're he's trying. Clyde, he's getting better, and Clyde, he might be the same player he was when he walked in the door. Right. Well, and what I like to see. You know, if for your number one running back, for the most part, you need to have a physical back. I, I like what happened with the Bucks in that Tom Brady initially didn't have running backs that were great receivers by any stretch with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fordette. But they were both physical backs, and he forced them to learn how to catch the football and mm-hmm. run routes, and it ended up working out just fine. You look around the rest of the league, I mean, you're – your Saquon Barkley's of the world, you know, Derek Henry's, you go up and down the line, you got to have a physical running back. The Chiefs don't have a physical back right now. Yeah, even Zeke, Nick Chubb, yes. Hunt, all those guys, like you need a – even Christian McCaffrey can can pack a little bit of a punch. Granted, that guy is getting injured all the time now. Um, the Chiefs, Jonathan Taylor, he is a physical presence. Like you have to feel him when he's on the field. Clyde Edwards-Solaire – He's 5'7", however tall he is, 200 pounds, however big he is. He just isn't a imposing can't Like Cream Hunt, I, I hate the comparison because Cream Hunt is just a rare blend of acceleration, agility, balance, core strength. Like Clyde Edwards-Lair was never going to be that. That was the pipe dream for a lot of Chiefs fans. Um, but I think – you do need a physical running back, especially with the power running game the Chiefs can run now um, with Darrell Williams and guys like Derek Gore, even that came in. Um, Frank Gore's long lost little brother slash son, whatever it is. Um, I, I just, Clyde, great guy. Um, if he was the first pick of the second round, I think 90% of the hate would go away with that. That just comes with the territory. Um, but for a Chiefs offense that could really, really use a big time running back, they spent a first-round pick on one that hasn't panned out. Yeah, I would agree with that. And now I wonder, going forward, you're above 500. We've seen the defense play really good at times like last week. We saw what the offense did early in the season when they were putting up a lot of points. To me, I look at just, just playing complete game on both sides. I mean, is that asking too much, Jordan? Why can't this team play a complete football game against a good team? 
And it dates back to last season. You yeah. know, they had the three quarter games. They had the one quarter games. They had the three and a half where they'd let the opposing team score two touchdowns late. Like the Chiefs have not played an open and shut wire to wire game against a good team. I know that week six against the Jets was the last time they quote unquote blew somebody out. Then they blew out Washington. I can't remember the last time the Chiefs wire to wire convincingly or even quality beat a good team and left the game. People left the game thinking, you know, this Chiefs team can get it done convincingly. They can get it done. It's always been close. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, This weekend, taking on the Raiders in Las Vegas, Sunday night football. What do you think of the matchup? Do you want a score prediction now or do you want it later? Because I got I got a hot take. Throw me all the fire right now. Put it on the table. I got the Raiders in this one. Ooh. I hate to say it. And it's it's one of those things where I told myself a few weeks ago, until the Chiefs beat a good team and prove they can do it, I'm not gonna pick them. And they beat the Giants, not a good team. They beat the Packers, good team without their elite Hall of Fame quarterback. I think the Chiefs are getting there. I 110% can see the Chiefs beating the Raiders. Um, If they do, I will be back. I will pick them um, over the Cowboys. I think they would be back in that contender category if they can beat the Raiders and make a statement. With that said, I know the Raiders have a lot going on right now. I think that might play to their advantage. It's an emotional game for them um, against a visiting team. It's tough. I think it's going to be 31-27. And the Chiefs offense, it's going to make baby steps. Um, but I don't think you're going to see that detonation until after the bye week. Well, and uh, I'm going with the Chiefs in this game. But for me, it's not even about the Chiefs. I think the Raiders, Jordan, have bigger issues than the Chiefs do when it comes to the inconsistency, losing their head coach, the Henry Ruggs ordeal and all that. Mm-hmm. That's where I look at. To me, I'm not picking the Chiefs because the Chiefs. I'm picking them more so because of the problems the Raiders have. And that's fair, 100%. I could see this game going two ways. I could see the Ra- or I guess, three. <laughs> I don't know if Chiefs blowout is on the menu. I could see it happening. I think Raiders blowout, probably not on the menu. Could see it happening. But then close Raiders win, close Chiefs win. So I guess that's four outcomes is in – pretty much any other game with that said i just uh the raiders do have a ton going on even the damon arnett thing like you could bring up a different thing about that team pretty much every week that's been going on this year it sucks with that said i think if the game's in kansas city i feel a little bit better about it um i think i was talking to hondo carpenter of the uh, raiders si site he is all in on the Raiders just making a huge statement against the Chiefs Sunday. I think this is the biggest game of the Raiders season easily. I think so far it's the biggest one of the Chiefs season, but I think they're going to have a bigger one down the road if that makes sense. So if they lose this one, I don't think it's all over. Um, If they win this one, I think it's a huge, huge, huge boost. Um, so I'm almost talking myself into it here, leaning back towards the Chiefs, but I'm going to stand my ground, dig my heels in, and barely squeak out um, with the Raiders pulling it out. When you look at this division race, these three teams all in the hunt, and the Broncos are still around after that big win they had against Dallas last week. How does this game affect the AFC West race? 
It's huge. Um, I I personally don't see the Raiders running away with the AFC West. I don't see them winning it, I don't think. I believe it's either the Chiefs or the Chargers, like many expected before the season. Um, obviously, 99% of people thought the Chiefs would win it by at least a game or two. Um, that hasn't been the case. So the Chiefs have five AFC West games left, including this one. Um, a game against the Chargers, two against the Raiders, two against the Broncos. If they lose this one to the Raiders, they have to win out in the AFC West, I think, in order to, if you're going to be four and two, the head to head wouldn't be there necessarily. Then I think it goes to conference or something. It's hard to remember the the list of tiebreakers. Chiefs conference record, not too good so far. So the Chiefs, you know, they need to, if they beat the Raiders, then lost to the Cowboys. That'd be fine. Head into the bye week, get back on track. It's an NFC loss. If the opposite happens and they lose to the Raiders, beat the Cowboys, okay. Like, that's great that they beat one good team out of two, but they need to stack those AFC, more importantly, AFC West wins um, up more than those out-of-conference games. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And, you know, when I look ahead for this team, you know, yes, they have played some bad football. I get that totally. But I still think this team, I don't think it's ridiculous to say, Jordan, if they get their business together, can still make a run. It reminds me yeah. of at you know, this time last year, we were talking about how much of a mess the Tampa Bay Bucks were. And from, what was it, week 12 on, they didn't end up losing a game. And, you know, they were barely above 500 and all that. I mean, best case scenario, I think, this team could still win the division, still make a run. Is that, you think that's still in play here? Yeah. I, the Chiefs two years ago were six and four at one point, I believe. Like it's, it's not unheard of for a team to, and that's the thing. Andy Reid has said all year, I'm not sure what it is. You know, it's up to the guys to execute. I've seen these players play well before and they just weren't doing it. So, yes, there's a little bit of depth problem. Um, the wide receiver position, the running back position, you know, injuries, but the small wins are coming together on the defensive side. The defensive line's getting better, getting healthy. They have athleticism. The secondary is getting better. The Mahomes has shown flashes of improving and snapping out of it. So if, if it clicks, if the light bulb comes on for the Chiefs, even if they end the season as a wild card team, because the Raiders run away with it. The Chargers run away with it. That's one of the best wild card teams I've ever seen. I wouldn't want to play them. If the Chiefs win the AFC West, I think that signifies that they ended the season on a tear. And again, like if the Chiefs can get into the playoffs without stumbling in, I think that does not bode well for the rest of the AFC. I think you're absolutely right about that. Let's uh, let's talk about you know the big picture. Speaking of the AFC, the uh, Titans get that big win last week. The Bills fall on the road to the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. So much parity right now. Who is the team to beat in the AFC at this point, you think? Oh, man. I, I think it's hard to not pick the Titans. I mean, they're they're building their resume. They have four quality wins. They're stacking them together. They lost Derrick Henry. You know, it's – I don't know. The You have bad losses. For all these teams, um, you have holes you can poke in the resume. There's no perfect team in the AFC right now. I don't think 
Um, everyone has their problems. Everyone has their injuries. Some parts of the ball are stronger than the other, like offense and defense and chiefs. Hard to tell these days. Um, Tennessee has long been an offensive team this season over a defensive team that's starting to figure things out defensively. Tannehill has played well. Um, Buffalo, if you asked me this a few weeks ago, I'd say Buffalo. They have not been very impressive, though, as of late, since that big win over the Chiefs. Baltimore's in the conversation. So if you ask me in another month, Chiefs could be at the top of that. Like if the Chiefs rattle off three wins out of their next uh, four weeks because they have the bye, puts them at eight and four, you know, that's a really good spot to be in. The Chargers are a dangerous team. The Raiders are a dangerous team. The AFC North is insane right now. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Baltimore, Cincinnati. So if I had to single out one, I think it'd be Tennessee, um, but that easily could change over the next few weeks. What about uh, on the NFC side? What do you think about what's going on over there? Four of the best teams in the league could all be on that side of the of the NFL alignment, I think. I mean, it's insane. I think uh, I picked the Rams to, I think, win the Super Bowl. I know I picked them to get there. I think I picked them to win, too, um, before the season. I'm going to stick with that. I think that Matt Stafford really showing who he is right now, obviously getting helped by one heck of a coach in Sean McVay. Um, Their defense has not been what it used to be, but still really, really good and good enough to get them deep into the playoffs. Tampa Bay, embarrassing loss to New Orleans. Um, I think Brady-led teams are good for one or two of those every year, so I'm not going to overreact to it. If they stay healthy and the defense improves a little bit in the secondary, they're going to be great, I think. Um, I'm missing Green Bay. I mean, they're up there. Arizona's up there. Um, I'm going to lean Rams. Like if I had to do a Super Bowl pick as of right now with the evidence I've been presented through 10 weeks, however far we are into the season, Rams-Titans, I guess. I don't feel great about that, but I think that's what I'd roll with. All right. Well, Jordan, we had a great chat. Flew by. Um, Appreciate (laughs) you joining us, man. Uh, Where can people follow you and find all your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. At footnoted, Joshua Briscoe came up with that. Um, fancy dancy at that's f-o-o-t-e-n-o-t-e-d lots of man nba tweets um it's that time of year been getting into hockey a little bit trying to be like tyler well-rounded individual um watch a little bit of nascar you know keep up with everything hey there Um, we go i'm i'm trying to live through tyler vicariously right now even though it might be fall of foot (laughs) hey i'm glad uh you got some nascar in you too uh nice uh, win for kyle larson in the uh, championship this weekend so uh very good well jordan uh appreciate the time man thanks for joining us we'll talk again down the line and uh we'll have that cigar soon uh if i have to come down there i will we'll we'll make sure that happens yep that sounds good tyler thanks a lot Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also on Facebook, at O'Connor Advisory Group. And you can reach out to Bo by email at brian.oconnor at lpl.com. That's brian with a Y, dot O'Connor at lpl.com. And Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, what's happening in your world? You had a great show this past week on the Coach Bo Knows podcast. And, of course, staying busy at O'Connor Advisory Group as well. What's happening? 
Hey man, it's been it's been it's been a lot of fun in the last couple of weeks. So the, the podcast is going great, and uh, we certainly appreciate all the feedback and the listeners on that. So thank you for doing that. Um, on at, o- at here at OAG O'Connor Advisory Group, we are getting to our slow point of the year. So we're in November, late November, and all of December is our slowest kind of six seven week period. Uh, so things are starting to slow down a little bit. So here's what we do. We spend a lot of time working with our clients this time of year, doing reviews, just kind of checking in on people, seeing if they're making sure they're getting their withdrawals done, if they need for the holidays, stuff like that. It is the absolute perfect time to review your finances. See, what happens is coming in January, everyone's going to get to January 1, they're going to have the New Year's resolutions, and they're going to say, New Year, New Me, get my money right. And by that time, we're getting really busy. It's harder to schedule time with me. But right now is the perfect time. So anybody that wants to go over anything they have financial, if they've got an old 401k, if they've got, you know, some things going on, I just want some help or some advice. Maybe they're wanting to buy a house in 2022 and they go, well, what do I have to do? We would love to be your partner. We'd love to be able to show you how not only can we help you with some things, but we have some trusted people we can help you with as well. So whether it's getting mortgages or getting credit help, if it's just, you know, trying to consolidate accounts, we love doing those things. I love personally working with everybody and sitting down chatting with them, whether it's here in our office in Lawrence or via Zoom or on the phone. Great way, great time of year to catch up with us. Go to OAGKS.com, click on the contact here link. You get the message will come directly to me and let's set up a time. I want to be your partner. We want to be your partner at O'Connor Advisory Group and we can definitely help. OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com for more information there. Bo, let's start out with our weekly picks against the spread. Five college games, five NFL games. Here is the college slate. It features Oklahoma and Baylor, OU a five-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Texas A&M and Ole Miss, the Aggies, favored by two-and-a-half on the road. NC State taking on Wake Forest. Wake Forest a two-point favorite at home. Michigan and Penn State. Penn State favored by one at home. And Purdue, who calls themselves the spoiler makers now after the upsets they've been pulling off, they are looking for another one as they take on Ohio State. Ohio State favored by 20 at home. Meanwhile, in the National Football League, the Saints taking on the Titans. The Titans coming off a big win last week against the L.A. Rams on the road. They're a three-point favorite. Chiefs face the Raiders. Chiefs are a -a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Browns and Patriots, New England favored at home by one-and-a-half. Falcons and Cowboys, Cowboys favored by nine, Seahawks and Packers, as both Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are expected to make their returns this week, Packers favored by five and a half on the road. So let's go ahead and start with the college slate. Bo, Oklahoma and Baylor, Sooners favored by five and a half here. You know, if this game, Bo, were this line with Spencer Rattler starting, I would jump on Baylor so fast, but I feel like this is a different Oklahoma team with Caleb Williams. I'll take Oklahoma in the five and a half. How about you? I got Baylor. I'm taking Baylor. I still think I'll use a fraud. I'm going to think they're a fraud until they get beat in the playoffs. So uh, I'm going to uh, go ahead and stick with my guns and take Baylor. Okay. So you have no confidence in Caleb Williams and what he's done at that quarterback position. It's not the kid. It's the team. It's the I'm just not, it's not just the quarterback situation. It's the fact that they allow a lot of points. They, they do. They do. And that's, that's my biggest reason for saying what I say about OU is not the quarterback situation. That young man who's in there now is a really good player. 
Their offense is clicking better. It's the defense. It's they allow a lot of points. Teams are going to be in games against them. 66th ranked defense in the country right now yeah. there in uh, Norman. All right. So we're off to a good start. We disagree. Uh, Texas A&M taking on Ole Miss. A&M, a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Bo, what do you think of this one? I think A&M's hot. And I think A&M's good. And I think, I think A&M's one of the best five teams in the country right now. And, uh, I mean, if you just said who, you, who would you not want to play, A&M's one of those top five to me. Um, but they've lost a couple of games this year they shouldn't have. I'm going to take A&M and lay the two-and-a-half. Bo, A&M's a team where I look at, okay, if the playoff was expanded, if this was 12 or 16 teams and you looked at teams that were playing hot that maybe got off to a rough start, like what we see in the NFL from time to time, this is a team that I would not want to face right now that could compete with some of the best in college football. It's just unfortunate that they haven't slip up early in the year like they yep. did. Ole Miss, they've had a good year. Uh, I'm happy for Lane Kiffin. I like Lane, but I think A&M's a better team right now. Give me A&M two and a half. NC State taking on Wake Forest. Wake Forest suffered their first loss of the year last week at the hands of North Carolina. NC State has had a decent year with uh, you know ending Clemson's winning streak to begin the year, and and uh, we, we've seen them play some uh, good football there the uh, last couple of weeks. Wake favored by two. What do you think here, Bo? I like NC State. I do. I like NC State. I think Wake just kind of ran a, a schedule of they didn't have a lot of um, big time teams to play. They're under. They were undefeated. They ran into one last week. I think they're going to run into one this week as well. I think NC State's going to win this game. I like NC State too, and nothing against Wake Forest. You know, some people are going to no. call them a frauds and all this. No, they no. they overachieved. Yes, and now they're so. just coming back down to reality here. Yeah, I mean. There was no way that Wake Forest was a top 10 team. It's just the fact that they played the softer part of that conference as their schedule up to this point, and they won eight games. Right, and, that's and not their fault that the schedule that's worked out. Yeah, that's not – I'm not going to sit here and call them a fraud. I, I just think they won eight games, and no one expected that. No one expected them to be ranked in the, you know, the college football playoff early in the season, you know, when it came into this point. So I don't think it's a fraud. I just – I think NC State's a better team here. And, yeah. I think the Wake Forest should be congratulated on the season they're having. 100%. Michigan taking on Penn State. Michigan ranked ahead of Michigan State in the new college football playoff poll that we'll talk about here in just a moment, despite Michigan State winning head-to-head a couple weeks ago. And Penn State, a one-point favorite. Bo, Penn State's been so up and down this year. I feel like I know what I'm getting out of Michigan I don't know what Penn State team's going to show up. I lean towards Michigan on the road here because of that. Michigan still has not beaten a ranked team. That's a big deal to me. And because of that, and I think that uh, – I, I think you're right that Penn State's kind of riding this wave up, down, up, down. I like Penn State in this game. Um, it did not surprise me they were a one-point favorite. I'm going to take Penn State, lay the one. I think they're going to win the game at home. All right, last one, Purdue and the Ohio State. The Buckeyes favored by 20. Bo, last week, Ohio State did not look very impressive at all against Nebraska. Purdue playing the role of spoiler makers the last couple weeks. I don't think Purdue's winning this game, but the way that they've been playing, I'll ride the hot hand. I think 20 is way too much. I think Purdue can make this a 10-point ball game. I'll go Purdue to cover. I think Ohio State's going to blow them out of the water. I think Ohio State's going to put a statement together this week. Um, 
you're right about Ohio has been close. They've been close in the last couple of games, and they played very underwhelming. Um, I don't think they should be calling themselves the spoiler makers, and then think they're going to go to the horseshoe. So um, that's yeah, that's the recipe for disaster. I mean, the things that you've been saying about Oklahoma, you could exactly say about Ohio State. That's not a good defense that they have. They've been playing tight games. They've already lost this year. Ohio State has not given up more than 28 points in the game. Oh, sorry, they gave up 31 to Minnesota. I got it up right here. They haven't given up 50 to anybody. That defense is not good. Their their defense is fine. It's their – the last couple of games against Nebraska, they didn't score enough points. I mean, 26 against Nebraska is a low number. Um, I think that they're going to put a big number on the board here. Um, I suspect we're going to see that Ohio State team that was winning games, you know, from week, you know, one to except for the Ohio, the Oregon loss from week one to a couple of weeks ago. They're going to score 40 plus. I don't see Purdue score more than 20. I think it's a statement for Ohio State. Saints and Titans. Let's move on to the NFL now. The Titans are favored by three. Bo, the Titans made a statement last week with that performance against the Rams and doing it without Derrick Henry. We wondered how Ryan Tannehill would step up without Henry there, how he would handle having to throw the football more, but he answered the call. He was great. Saints let one slip by last week at home against the Falcons. I know Trevor Simeon started, but they still should have won that game. Bo, I got to ride with uh, Tennessee, who's potentially the best team in the league at this point in time. Give me Tennessee in the three. I am a homer picking on this, and only a homer pick. I'm taking my Saints. Um, Here's why I'm taking the Saints. I agree 100% with you on the Titans. I'm the guy that picked the Titans to win the Super Bowl in in the preseason. So I like what I see with the Titans. I like what I saw last week. I watched that game. The Saints are in a lot of trouble at quarterback. They got to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. But I looked up something, and this is just the homer in me. I got to admit this up front. I'm looking for you had to find something. Find something in the NFL. Teams that didn't cover the spread one week, and then play a team that did cover the week before, which is what we got here. Titans covered. Saints did not. The team that did not cover the week before has covered. 73% of the time. This How about season. that? Seven in O last week. Okay. So that is my only reason for picking the Saints. I'm looking, I'm looking for a reason. I'm just simply looking for a reason to pick my Saints. We're in a lot of trouble. The Titans are really good. Everything in my body says they pick the Titans, but I have to pick my Saints on the homer pick. All right. Chiefs and Raiders. Chiefs favored by two and a half. The Raiders with a disappointing loss. Last week against the Giants, the Chiefs, the defense stepped up, played really good last week. Granted, it was against Jordan Love, but nonetheless, uh, that's the best Chiefs defense has played all year. They head to Las Vegas now, Sunday night football, Chiefs fair by two and a half. Bo, I lean towards the Chiefs here. I think that we're going to start to see the Raiders take this downward spiral, beginning with that loss they had last week against the Giants. I watched the Raiders game last week against the Giants. I thought they, they didn't play poorly. They just had a couple bounces go against them. Um, I like the Raiders. I'm thinking the Raiders plus the two and a half at home. I think it's a close game. I think the Chiefs are just not that good. I mean, I they they dodged an absolute bullet, no Rodgers last week. And now they're, you know, in a position, but they're in a position where they're to get into the playoffs, they're still gonna have to win, you know, seven of the next nine. Or what is that? I'll be six of the next eight or something like that. 
I just don't see him doing it. And I like the Raiders here. That division's gotten tight. It looked like it was for the Chargers to take, and then they slipped it up has. a bit. The Raiders were leading the division. Now they've slipped up a little bit. Chiefs are right back in prime position. I think they're going to come out and win this division after all. Well, I don't, I don't think the Raiders are going to – I think the Chargers are going to win the division. And I think the biggest thing to look at, if you look at – so, like, the Chiefs are 5-4. and four. <laughs> If you look at the at the AFC, um, it is currently 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 8, 9, 10. 10 teams are at 5-4 and four above. That's a lot of parity right now. Yes. I mean, so the AFC, it's all so close. Yeah. So, but I do like the – I think the Raiders in two and Browns and Patriots. Browns looked like a whole different team last week, their first week without Odell Beckham, and played really good in that outstanding performance against the Bengals. Patriots have been one of the hottest teams in the league last few weeks. Mac Jones is one of your favorites for Rookie of the Year right now. New England at one and a half, favored at home here. Bo, this is a sneaky good game here. Yeah, it is a sneaky good game. It's one of those you got the two – Teams again kind of sit in that same box that the Chiefs are in at five and four. And if you look, uh, the Patriots all of a sudden are the Patriots again. Bill Belichick, you know, again, he's playing chess. Look at that Patriots defense, too. What's that? Look at that Patriots defense right now. Yeah. I mean, he's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. Um, I'm picking the Patriots here. I think the Patriots are going to go to the playoffs. And that's different from what you said a few weeks ago. You said they were mailing in the season. I thought so. And Bill Belichick has shown that he's – they are not. I mean, he is hot. They're hot. They're the team, I think. I think they're ascending. I think uh, both teams are ascending right now, Bo. I would agree with you on that. Yeah, I think both teams are headed in the right direction right now, but I, I lean towards what I like from the Browns that they're the more talented team. I got to go with the Browns to cover, despite being the uh, road underdog in uh, this case, Bo. A couple more games for you. Let's uh, look at the Falcons and the Cowboys. The Cowboys really just laid an egg last week out of nowhere against the Broncos. Meanwhile, the Falcons pull off that stunner against the Saints on the road. Cowboys favored by nine. Bo, are you discouraged with the Cowboys' performance last week? Well, I wouldn't call it encouraged. Um, hey, last <laughs> week I put the Cowboys in my power rankings at number five. I was like, I'm finally a believer in you guys. And you know what they went and did? They lost. But not only did they lose that game, they – apologies. <laughs> not only did they lose that game, but they got away from the formula that wins games for them, and that's running – the football, having balance. If the Cowboys run the football as many times as they throw the football, they win the game. Last week, it was ridiculous. And you can say, well, they were behind. But they were playing that way from there early on. This was a tough tough one for me. Pardon me again. But um, I hate the Atlanta Falcons. And so – Oh, this is like the worst game for you, Falcons and Cowboys? Falcons-Cowboys is not a good game for me. And so – This is um, one that you're like screaming at the TV the entire game. Yeah, this is not what I'm going to be watching at the O'Connor household. So I'm going to take the Cowboys. I'm going to kind of hold my nose and take the lesser of two evils here. The Cowboys, I really think, are a good team, though. I don't don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but they're a playoff contender for sure. And I think that, again, if they are balanced offensively, they're a very, very good team. The Falcons are just, I mean, they're just a terrible team. 
Matt Ryan did everything he could to bring the Saints back in that game. And, and the Saints just blew it in the end. One play, they get 60 yards in a play, they kick a field goal to win it. Matt Otherwise, Ryan didn't do Matt Ryan things last week. He did do Matt Ryan things up until the last play when he got bailed out by somebody else. So, yeah, I, I'm never picking Matt Ryan against anybody. So I'll, I'll go with the Cowboys yeah. here. I think last week was a fluke. It's a week-to-week league. I expect them to bounce back and play much better this week. I think they're going to be just fine. At I think Denver late. played incredible last right. week. Right. Yeah. I mean, they were yeah. that was the best game they'll play all season. Right. Right. And Vic Fangio is not going to have a job at the end of the year. That was his uh, one shining moment, you know. So that's that's how I see that. Last one, Seahawks and Packers. And this leads us into our Aaron Rodgers discussion as well. (laughs) The Seahawks are a five and a half point underdog on the road. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, both expected to be back here. And for both these teams, Bo, they could not be more thrilled to have their quarterbacks back right now. I think the Packers saw that Jordan Love wasn't ready, and the Seahawks had a few moments with with Geno Smith where it was things were okay, but uh, they 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 realized that uh, <laughs> they need Russ back pretty badly. Both these teams are glad to have their guys back this week. Yeah, I, Russell Wilson is just. I mean, it's uh, they, the Seahawks need Russell Wilson back. I mean, Geno Smith's a fine player to get to a couple of games to get him through what they needed to get him through. He did a fine job. I mean, he played that one Monday night game. We played really well, I thought. Um, Green Bay needs Rodgers back, and we saw how much they count on Aaron Rodgers on Sunday night. Um, I like the Packers here at home. Aaron Rodgers is back. Um, Disappointed in Aaron Rodgers personally, but at the same time, he's still the most skilled quarterback I've ever seen. So I'll take the Packers. So I'll take the Packers here as well. Uh, I think they're a better team than uh, Seattle right now, and and uh, they're a Super Bowl contender. Seattle is just hoping to make the playoffs and has a ton of work to do to try to keep that playoff picture alive. Let's uh, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, speaking of which, I know that you just love talking about Aaron Rodgers. Um, <laughs> that was a reoccurring theme throughout the offseason. And now we've seen him do a couple interviews with Pat McAfee, and he admits that he misled folks and, and, and whatnot. And here, here's what I've come to the conclusion at, Bo, is – you know, I'm not going to waste time debating on him being vaccinated or not. You know, there's there's plenty of other shows that have done that. That debate has been hashed out, you know, through all the hot takes over and over again. But what I can say adamantly, without question, is that Aaron Rodgers let his team down last week. If he plays against the Chiefs, they win. There's no way that Dan Sorensen against Aaron Rodgers looks like a pro bowler like he did against Jordan Love. That's not happening. That Chiefs defense is awful. Aaron Rodgers would have picked them apart and had three or four touchdown passes. Um, There's just no way. So that's where I look at with Aaron Rodgers and all this is that he let his team down by not being there, by not playing last week. And potentially you look at how tight things are in the NFC. They're going to win the division running away. I mean, the Vikings, Bears, and Lions, they all just stink. But he may have cost his team home field advantage by not being there last week with yeah. where things are at. He That was the big one to me. I, I agree with you 100% on that point exactly. One, I'm not going to sit here and debate the vaccination stuff either. That's, again, whatever you want to do, you want to do. My biggest thing is he let his team down. And yeah. the fact that that one loss could be the difference between having a home game for an NFC championship 
and not. And because you agree, they they win if he plays, no question. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's Jordan Love had not could not move that offense at all. Um, and yeah, the Packers now have a kind of a a zero a zero window here. They're gonna have to win every single game going forward in order to try to secure home field advantage. And I'm not sure they can. And I, yeah, I think you, I think you were spot on. I think saying that the home vote advantage thing is a big deal. And especially for green Bay. Well, especially now in this playoff system where the one seeds are the only ones that get weeks, weeks yeah. off. Yeah. And the difference between playing at green Bay in January versus playing in Tampa or playing in it in Arizona or LA is a big deal. So I do think that that's a big letdown to the team. I, I think it was very selfish of him. And uh, I think this whole situation, I, I, I don't have a problem with someone not getting vaccinated if they're going to do the things they have to do to make sure they don't get somebody else infected. You know, that kind of thing. Like you live your life and just, you know, be that way. That's fine. Jordan Love, he yeah. got that start last week and really just struggled. I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there, was, uh, there was a lot of love in a hopeless place. Um, you know, I mean, it, it was it was just bad, his performance. I know it was one game. It was his first career start. And he was going up against a bad team. Should should Packer fans panic? Is it is it too early or is that just one game? What, what do you make of the Packers going forward with Jordan Love? You know, I don't know. Um, they obviously know their quarterback better than I do. Um, if they feel confident enough that the, the Packers as an organization feel like this is going to be Aaron Rodgers' last season. They feel like that Jordan loves their guy, then that's great. Um, if they were hoping that maybe that was a showcase game to get somebody to trade for him, well, that didn't help. So um, I, I really don't know what to do there. If it was me, I'd figure out a way to mend fences with Rodgers quick and make sure he stays after this season. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's what I would do. Um, I, I don't know what to feel on Jordan Love. I if he's not good enough, at least competitive in that game, and he hasn't been – you haven't been calling for him to play the last two seasons, then why are you sitting on him? When That's what I look high. at. People are making the excuse of the first career start. He's had a year and a half he, to get ready for that team. He's been, yeah, he's been on that on a good team. Years now. Right. Was just, yeah, he should have been – he should have been ready for that game. And he played horrible. I mean, he, he was bad. He was inaccurate. He was, I mean, horribly inaccurate. Um, he should have picked that Chiefs defense apart. Um, they ran the ball fairly well. Yeah, pretty much any quarterback in the league, I mean, I could think of 20 quarterbacks in the league that would have won that game for the Packers. Yeah. So I, I don't know where to go with, with Jordan Love. I know that I'm not real confident in him. Their third-string quarterback, Blake Bortles, may have won that game. I, maybe. Maybe. Because I, I really think he would have made better throws. I thought the inaccuracy jumped off the page at me watching Jordan Love. I haven't seen a quarterback that inaccurate since Tim Tebow. That's saying something. And what I wonder, too, going forward, we haven't talked much about the, the Jordan Love era that we anticipate in Green Bay. I was thinking about this. You know, Green Bay fans have been some of the luckiest fans in the NFL when it comes to the quarterbacks they've had in that franchise. Three Hall of Famers and Bart Starr, Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers. If Jordan Love is not the truth, if he is not the answer, 
can you imagine how things are going to be in Green Bay of, you know, you, you pissed off Aaron and now this is your guy. And if things yeah. don't work out, how that's going to unfold. Yeah. He has to be the guy. <laughs> Otherwise all that stuff you've done the last two seasons is all wrong. And we've talked about this in the offseason so much. I mean, we know how I feel. I think that the Packers should just bend over backwards and given Aaron Rodgers all the power he wanted because he is that special. And you do that until that player is gone, until he can't play or doesn't want to play anymore. Uh, they had, and we've talked about it, I've said, I, they must think really highly of, of Jordan Love. Look, I saw him play in college. He was a fine player. He was a great prospect. But if it's time to move to him, he should have played a lot better. He had a full week to prepare for that game. I, I was not impressed with the situation there. Um, I just, yeah, that's where I'm at this whole thing. I, I don't know what the right move for the Packers is right now. I know that right now they should be focusing on keeping Aaron Rodgers happy and, and finding him another wide receiver. Yeah. Let's talk OBJ. Uh by the time you're listening to this podcast, he may have already signed with a team, but apparently he's down to the Chiefs, Packers, and Saints. And, Bo, look at last year when OBJ got hurt, the Browns offense really just exploded and took off after he was gone. And then this past week, first game without OBJ, and they have their best performance arguably of the entire season, and Baker played really well without OBJ. To me – I look at OBJ and, you know, things in New York ended ugly and ends ugly in Cleveland. I, I think he's cancerous. I don't see what the, the big appeal is in OBJ, and he's not the receiver he was a few years ago. Don't listen to fools like Booger McFarland. They're trying to claim he's still a top 10 receiver. I mean, that's, you know, not the case. He might be a top 10 receiver in the state of Ohio, maybe, Um well, I would I would stay as far away from OBJ right now if if I'm one of these contending playoff teams. What say you? I'd bring him. I'd take him. Any of those three teams would be happy to have him. That that. So here's what you got to think. Here's uh, here's what I'm thinking. Odell Beckham probably isn't the player he was. You know, certainly four or five years ago. That's just a matter of how things are. A lot of receivers are divas. That is what it is. You're going to deal with that no matter how good a receiver is. Um, my whole thing with Odell Beckham, and, and I'm a little biased, I'm an LSU guy, so put me and Booger McFarland in the same boat on that. Um, I don't think he's a top 10 receiver, but he's the kind of guy that adding him is kind of like with the Rams adding Von Miller. It's not about he's all of a sudden going to make you better. It's that that situation will come where having him will be the difference between you winning the game and losing the game because he's going to be able to help you in a certain situation. Um, think of it as like with Antonio Brown in the box. I mean, what he did provided for them the last two to three games of the regular season and in the playoffs was really important. And that's what Odell Beckham can be. Um, I don't know what's going to happen moving forward, but I think the Chiefs, the Saints, and the Packers are all very good fits for Odell Beckham. Um, he's got reasons for all three, I suppose. I'm assuming the Saints is because he's from there. The Chiefs, kind of like we talked about in the offseason, you want to go play with Mahomes because you have a chance to win. And the Packers are going to play with Aaron Rodgers. So that's probably his thinking on those three teams. Um, I think all three are good fits. And I just think you have to realize what you're buying. What you're buying is a guy who's not going to catch 12 balls in a game. 
but he's going to catch you two or three in timely situations. He's also capable of breaking a big play, of getting downfield and making a catch that, frankly, nobody else can make. He has incredible hands. So look at it that way. He's also going to be cheap for whoever takes him. So, and then the narrative to me also about the Browns thing. The Browns offense is better without Odell Beckham. It's not that they're better. It's they can distribute the ball differently. You know, they're not worried about trying to get Odell Beckham 10 or 12 catches a game. Instead, they're focusing on running the football. I'll say it over and over until I'm blue in the face. No successful team in the NFL is successful if you cannot run the football first. And that's what teams have to do. If you got Odell Beckham, he's going to come in for the last half of the season and you, and he understands his role. I think it's an exceptional pickup for a team. See, I don't think Odell's ever going to understand his role. I mean, he had problems in New York about his role. I think that situation was not a very good team. If he's going to a team like the Packers, like the Chiefs, the Saints is kind of going home kind of thing. Uh, the Saints quarterback situation is horrible. Uh, but if you go into a Super Bowl contending team, I think he will say, okay, I'm here to win. And especially this season. He's playing this season because now he's going to be a free agent. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, think, I think he's going to understand it. He's not saying, hey, I'll go to whoever fogs the mirror, whoever pays me the most. He would, if he'd done that, he, just, he, wouldn't, he, wouldn't have cleared, he would not have cleared waivers. He'd have been right. gone before the third pick in the waivers. Right. Um, last thing in the NFL before we move on to college football here. Uh, man, the debacle that was the Bears-Steelers game where the Bears were just, you know, that game got taken from them red-handed. You know, they, they should have won that football game. And you had the bad taunting call. The ref runs into – uh, the player, and then he calls the player for taunting and such. I mean, that was just such a bad look. I mean, officiating has not been good to the NFL this year, but that was about the worst moment of it all, Bo. Yeah, the inconsistency of the officiating has been really poor. And I think it's been poor because of the way the rules are. Uh, we don't – this taunting rule is total, total crap. It's just a total garbage. Um, the – what they're trying to avoid is, is players drawing attention to themselves. We're going to, we're going to call this guy for a taunt. He you know, supposedly yelled at the sideline. I don't think he was yelling at the sideline from two thirds of the way across the stadium, but um, not taunt. we're not going to call every time a receiver catches the ball and spikes it or a quarterback makes a touchdown pass. It, it's the, the way the taunting rules are so inconsistent. Um, I think that was one. I don't think it was taunting in that game. I thought the, the, that stat officiating crew had a horrible game, not just that one, but yeah. that whole game. And I'm not one to criticize refs across the board, but that was just horrible officiating. Uh, that was the worst officiated NFL game I've seen in recent memory. I couldn't tell you how long, but recent memory. Um, the taunting rules of total load of crap. I saw one this week because I was at a bar watching a bunch of games at the same time. And I was watching that Cowboys Broncos game. Um, Teddy Bridgewater goes back. He goes back. There's a blitz coming right up the middle. I mean, two guys are coming right up the middle. Teddy gets rid of the ball and it's an incomplete pass. But as he gets rid of the ball, the defender basically jumped over him. 
hits him with both arms on Bridgewater's head. Now the rule is supposed to be if you touch the quarterback's head, that's a 15-yard penalty. The inconsistency of this being called. This was a third down. It was an incomplete pass. The Broncos with the punt on the next play. That didn't make a difference in the game. The Broncos won the game handily. But it should have been flagged first and 10, you know, automatic first down, 15 yards. But they're not calling that consistently. They'll call it for Tom Brady. They'll call it for Patrick Mahomes. I even saw him calling for Josh Allen. But they're not calling it for Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. They're not going to call it for, um, you know, maybe Kirk Cousins. You know, we, I'm just trying to kind of give examples. Justin Fields is not getting that same call. It's inconsistency, and I just don't like that. If a rule's a rule, then it's a rule. I agree. I agree. I'm with you. Let's move on to uh, college football. The uh, next college football poll was released on Tuesday, and, you know, we we were so upset with how the first poll looked, how bad of a job they did, that a friend of the show, Luke Slayball, the host of Raw Tools here on the uh, Studio Soapbox Network, uh, had the idea that we needed to come up with our own poll. And so Luke, myself, Bo, and Thomas, we all submitted our votes, and we came up with our own poll. And ours is quite different from the actual poll. The playoff poll has a top four of Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, followed by Cincinnati as the first team out, Michigan, Michigan State, and Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State as your top ten. Our poll of what we put together has Georgia one, a tie for second between Oklahoma and Cincinnati, Alabama four, uh, Oregon five, Ohio State six, a tie for seventh between Oklahoma State and Notre Dame, Michigan nine, Texas A&M 10 is how we uh, put ours together. And I got to say, Bo, uh, I'm not even biased saying this. I like our poll a whole lot better. I think that – We've seen through two weeks the committee is not going to do Cincinnati any favors. Nope. <laughs> based nope, on how this- about Cincinnati and and Cincinnati's going to get screwed in this deal. We'll talk about my prediction here in a minute on this, but um, they, they're showing how inconsistent they are. Yes. So we argue. I argued last week that okay, it was fine. You got Oregon ahead of Ohio State. That's fine, but they should have still had Michigan State ahead of Michigan because of the head to head. Right. And they don't. They're not counting it the same way. You cannot do that. You cannot say, wait a minute, this team looks better than this team, but then not say it the other way. I I think this committee's bull. <laughs> I, I think it's I think this committee's awful. I think that everyone in that room is doing everything they can to make sure that a non-power five team does not get in this playoff. There's no way Cincinnati's getting in. And I think they're the second or third best team in the country. I think that literally every other poll in the nation has Cincinnati in the top three, except the playoff poll. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. It, it's, it's the good old boy poll. That's what we should start calling the college football playoff. It's how do we get the teams we want so we can get the best ratings? The argument is going to be now they could use the, now that if they're playing checkers to the rest of us playing chess, they're using Cincinnati to be the team. They help expand this playoff. Because they're going to be number five when it's all said and done. At the end of the season, my prediction, Cincinnati is going to be five. And when that happens, people are going to whine, bitch, piss, and moan. I'm going to be one of them. And they're going to then say, okay, well, we're going to spend it to eight. And that's what they'll do. Bo, I'm almost to the point. 
if Cincinnati is undefeated and doesn't get in, despite all that they've done this year, and we know more teams are going to lose. We're seeing upsets every week. Three teams in the top 12 lost last week alone. There will be more upsets to come. If I'm almost to the point of saying, if Cincinnati doesn't make the playoff, I'm not watching. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go that far. I, I should. I frankly should. But I, I think uh, – yeah, I mean, I, I'm frustrated by the situation too. I think Cincinnati deserves the opportunity. And I think they're going to get shut out. They've done everything asked of them. They were the power, the not the not power five conference teams were told schedule somebody, win that game. Cincinnati went to Notre Dame, scheduled the game, went there and beat them, beat them up good too. It wasn't like they won that game twenty one twenty. And Indiana, although they disappeared, uh, that was a preseason top twenty five team. They did what was asked. Hey, Cincinnati's beaten more top twenty five teams than Michigan has. They've beaten more than Michigan and Michigan State combined. Yes. So I'm done with hearing that Cincinnati doesn't deserve it. I think it should be. Now, what I think predict is going to happen is I predict that Georgia is going to win out. Bama is going to lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game. Oregon will win out. I think Ohio State wins out. So they'll win the Big Ten. Or they go, Oregon's going to win out, win the Pac-12. I think OU is going to win out. Because and strong, I and that's where I'm looking at with this Oklahoma yeah. team. Yes, Oklahoma's going to jump everybody. Oklahoma jump fans everybody. have the right to be outraged being eight right now. I get that, especially being behind some one-loss teams. But if Oklahoma yeah. takes care of business, it will work themselves yeah. out. They will jump. They're going to be the one who jumps Cincinnati. If Oklahoma is undefeated at the end of the year with the games they have coming up of Baylor – Iowa State, Oklahoma State, then the Big 12 championship, likely against Oklahoma State again. Oklahoma will go all the way to number two. And, and they might. They very well might. Um, you know, it's going to be hard to put – it would be hard to not put them in, even ahead of Oregon and Ohio State because of the one loss. Um, I, I think that since he's the team that's going to be out at the end, I think that's going to be the team that's going to be the 15, the last one not holding the chair. and. I think Michigan and Michigan State are both not very good. They have one combined win in the top 25, and that's Michigan State. I think the Big Ten as a whole is way overrated. This committee has got a a hard on for the Big Ten. Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten. They have been for years. They're by far the best team. They're going to show it at the end because they're going to blow everybody out from here. I mean, I don't think Ohio State's playing a close game from here to the the, the college football playoff. Now, my only problem with the OU thing is – Unfortunately, OU is going to – and they're going to do what they did. They're going to win them all out. You know, they're going to win the rest of these games in the regular season and the, probably the Big 12 championship game as well. And then they're going to they're going to play either Oregon or, or Ohio State or Georgia, and they're going to get blown out because they're not in the league with those three teams. I don't think they're as good as any – Not in the league. Oregon? The, yeah. Do they give up too many points? Every one of those teams can score and put 40 on them. Did, did you not watch Oregon play Washington last week? I mean, I, that wasn't anything impressive. It doesn't have to be anything impressive. It's just they keep winning. You cannot keep giving up points the way that Oklahoma does. I mean, I lost to a Stanford, a three-win Stanford team. You know I mean? Like, I, and they do it, and, and I will say. I would say, here's where I disagree Oregon with you. Let me loss. finish. Well, here's where I disagree I with you is I think Georgia is on their own pedestal. And I then do. everyone else is just 
fighting for scraps. I don't see a whole lot of separation right now between Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Oregon, Ohio State. I think Georgia is a great team, and everyone else is pretty close. I don't see the separation. I think Georgia's on their own pedestal. That's the only separation I see from everybody. If I had to say it, I do think Georgia is heads and shoulders above. I think yes. be, We're on the same NFL page there. But after yeah. that, I think it's I, for the pickings for anybody. I think that Ohio State's – if I was just playing the eye test, I think Ohio State's the next best team. Um, I think since he's record and how good they're playing makes him third. And I think Oregon's – I think that those three are the next three. And I think they are above the Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's kind of below them. I think Oklahoma's better than Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame. Um, I don't know how much better than Oklahoma State they are. And if they beat Oklahoma State twice, you can't really argue that point. Um, I think A&M, we talked about it earlier, I think A&M is better than Oklahoma. I think A&M is probably better than Oregon. They very well could be. You know, but they got two losses. What A&M needs real bad right now is for Alabama to lose a game in the next two weeks. And then they're in the SEC title. And then they're in the SEC. And then they have a chance to play in because if they could beat Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An AM Georgia game would actually be a pretty good game right now. I think so. So, I mean, a lot to unfold, a lot to play out here in the last yeah. few weeks as we enter championship November. Yeah. Bo, big it. fraud. Big yes, they are. Fraud. Let's, uh, let's make shirts. Put on a t shirt. Big 10 fraud. We'll put, it in state, we'll put it in SEC script somehow. We'll have to figure that out. It just I means like more. It. it just means more. It does. <laughs> yeah, remember, the Big Ten tried not to play football last year. It doesn't mean more there. Yeah, it doesn't. They tried to, you know, I, I still hold that against them in the Pac-12 for trying to get out of playing football last year. I, I remember the time I didn't get – I didn't hold that against them because I remember the time of what was going on. I was kind doesn't of mean more there. I, I hold it, it, it I agree. I, it meant more in the South. I mean, the South, they were like, no, no, we're going to play. We don't care if there's a we don't care if there's something going on. East Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. You can find him online, O'Connor Advice Group, OHEKS.com as well. And uh, check out his show, the Coach Bo Knows Podcast. New episodes out each and every Monday and Friday on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, download today. Bo, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk next week. Thank you, Tyler. Have a great week. A couple more things before we wrap up today's show. I want to get to our Big 12 breakdown. And looking at the conference, the new playoff poll that came out this week puts Oklahoma at 8, Oklahoma State at 10, Baylor at 13. Baylor out of the playoff hunt with two losses, they're done. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are the last hopes remaining for the Big 12. And I know it's infuriating. We talked about this last week, too, to see an Oklahoma team that's undefeated, 9-0, and and get disrespected to be eight in the rankings doesn't make any sense. An Oklahoma State team that's eight and one that has played good football all season long. Their one loss isn't a bad loss either. It lost to a you know a decent Iowa State team, although Iowa State's unranked right now. But granted, at, at in Ames and right. right and barely by by a field goal. Right, it's not a bad loss. It's not, um, especially when you look at who the number three team in the country is in Oregon and their loss is to a three win Stanford team. But I digress. Who got, who got shellacked by K state. Right. Exactly. So with all that being said, here, it is frustrating, right? 
we've talked about it with Cincinnati, how frustrating it is their position, that they've done everything that's been asked of them and they're still sitting at number five. But I'll say this much. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State still control their own destiny to the playoff. You're telling me. Let's start out with Oklahoma, for example. You get Baylor this week, Iowa State the week following, Oklahoma State the week after, and the Big 12 title game the week after that, probably against Oklahoma State again. You win all that, you're in. You will be in. Now, with this committee, which is a joke, I think our buddy Luke Slaybaugh put it best. This playoff poll is a meme, okay? I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> um, Oklahoma might not be the number two seed like they deserve. It might be the three or the four, but the main thing is you, you just got to be in. That's all that really matters, right? Now, Oklahoma State, look at their path going forward. Here's how they finish out the year. TCU this week, Texas Tech the week following, Oklahoma – at home, and then potentially the Big 12 title game likely against Oklahoma again. You beat Oklahoma twice in back-to-back weeks. going to be hard to leave Oklahoma State out. So, yes, Big 12 fan, OU fan, OSU fan, you have the right to be pissed off right now. I totally get that. I am with you. I hear you. I'm compassionate for you. But everything will work itself out. The path to the playoff is still there. Is it narrow? Is there room for error? No. But it is still available for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State at this point. So that is my encouraging sign uh, at this point in time, Tom. I mean, yeah, and and I guess my end of things, when you think about OU, like what are the chances here? Uh, You know, OU obviously has a tough slate. If you're a Sooner, do you feel a little bit better about this week? I mean, you're going down to Waco. You feel a little bit better about beating Baylor this week. Because I, I think for both teams, and, and I don't want to overstate this for maybe OU, but I, I think it's a good mindset to have. This is how I think about OSU. It's one game at a time. You look forward to this week. You got Baylor. Do you feel better if you're an OU fan or just OU staff, OU player, about – going into Waco this week after seeing Baylor lose to TCU last week? I think you do feel better, but at the same time, you're probably saying to yourself, you wish Baylor would have won that game to help your resume. Um, You know, now if Baylor loses this one, then they're a three-loss team. They don't look like what they would have been had, you know, they took care of business against TCU last week. And, you know, Chandler Morris would have been, what, the third string quarterback had he stayed at OU this year. And in his first career start, he beats Baylor. So I think that you have to feel good about, that you head into this game knowing that you're off a bye week. Caleb Williams has really turned this offense around. The defense has been up and down, but they've had their moments at times. If Oklahoma plays, Tom, I think – a B-plus or A-minus game, I think that's good enough to beat Baylor. Yeah, I think you're I think you're probably right about that. I, looking at it from the outsider end, feel good about OU's chances now. Um, on the flip side of things, don't feel near as good about playing TCU if I'm an OSU fan that I did before they played Baylor. Um, you know, you have Chandler Morris coming in. Granted, OSU has a great defense. 
probably I'd say top five in in the nation. A um, little homerish there, but the numbers show. So, you know, I think they'll be fine. I think for both teams, you make it past this game. I don't want to overlook Tech, and I know you probably doesn't want to look over Iowa State because it is Iowa State, um, and Iowa State does Iowa State things. But I think for both teams, you make it past this week, then you look towards Bedlam. Um, and I always I look at this too uh, in a way that you know the Big Twelve committee viewed scheduling OU OSU at the end of the year. They didn't want it, you know, everything to lead up to the game because of it was always the Big Twelve championship before there was a championship. Now the year that they played earlier on in the season, you know, OSU didn't have a chance at the at the having a Big Twelve championship that year. Then they move it. They say, well, okay, we'll move it back. They move it back, and now we're looking at Bedlam for two straight weeks, which is there a Bedlam – would it be, you know, a Bedlam squared at that point? I don't – I think the whole – if it gets to Bedlam squared, Jones, this whole state of Oklahoma might collapse. There might be a civil war. Yeah, and I got to say – Especially with, with a playoff spot on the line. Right. That's – now that's if Oklahoma State has to win the first one. For right. spot to be in I mean, it is in Stillwater, and I, I would imagine that's a night game. I haven't looked at the the rest of the schedule, but if if OU's undefeated and OSU's ten and ten and one, the, I mean, you would assume that. Uh, don't Fox assume anything. Uh, well, I mean, you know, Fox if that's going to want to put that at big noon, if they can, if Fox gets wouldn't, it. wouldn't that be terrible? I mean, if Fox doesn't get it, you would assume that College Game Day would be there. I guess that wouldn't matter either. College Game Day could still go. Right. If it's not a Fox game, then uh, it'd probably be Saturday Night Football at ABC. Um, but if it's a Fox game, you better believe they're going to put that at Big Noon because we can't have a college football Saturday without Big Noon Bob and Big Noon kickoff, apparently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma control their own destiny. I like the schedule for Oklahoma State more than I do for Oklahoma. Oklahoma's got the three toughest games left in Big 12 play. They're the three toughest games in Big 12 play all back-to-back-to-back weeks. Um, Oklahoma State, you go up against TCU this week and at home, at home you know, your defense is playing really good. Um, you know, also with, with TCU, Jerry Kill coming in as the interim head coach. I don't know how many people know about Jerry Kill, but Jerry Kill is a very good coach. You go from Gary Patterson to Jerry Kill. Jerry Kill was was really good at Minnesota, but he suffered some seizure problems, and that forced him to step aside. It wasn't due to his record or anything. No, he was doing a really good job with that program. So he's got a great track record, and they showed last week they're not giving up. They're still trying to fight for a bowl game at this point here. Um, it's, it's not a given that Oklahoma State wins this week. They should take care of business. They are the better team. I think – if Oklahoma State plays a B or even B minus game, they should beat TCU, but that's not a guarantee. Take on Tech next week, and then if all goes according to plan, then we have uh, you know a great matchup in Bedlam between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State with uh, you know the the right to be the home team in the Big Twelve title game uh, on the line, you know, in 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 the playoff push. I'll, I'll say this too. Here's another thing that intrigues me in all this. So. If Oklahoma wins the first game and then you go into the second matchup, 
Oklahoma State's playoff hopes are done at that point because they'd be a two-loss team. But they could still win the conference and still spoil OU's chances the following week. And you'd have a whole tape to look at of that you know first matchup of sorts here. To me, I see this as no matter what happens in that first game, even if Oklahoma State's out of the playoff picture here, the Pokes are going to be still motivated for that second game. And the second game could be better than the first game. And let's say Oklahoma loses the first matchup. Well, then they say, fine, we get a chance to redeem ourselves, still can win the league, and still can make the playoff potentially if they were able to rebound and beat Oklahoma State, redeem that loss here. Um, As long as these two win these next two games, no matter what, those next two weeks are going to be fascinating either way, Tom. Oh, it's going to be – I mean, there's no other better word to call it than bedlam. I mean, from an outside looking in, if you're not a fan of either one of these teams or don't have any stake in this, absolutely it's fascinating. I need to be on, like, high blood pressure medication for the rest of this freaking month. Um, You know, and I can't imagine what, you know, the players probably think. I'm sure they're excited for it, but as a fan, I'm terrified. Um, And, I mean, maybe OU fans aren't that – terrified of it but if it gets to that point um there that game in dallas if osu wins the first one um that game in dallas there will be there will they'll need high security and not for me but i'm just it's gonna be oh it'll, it'll be hell if osu wins that first game then it might be a college football playoff quarterfinal game essentially can you that will be that will be hell. I mean, that I mean, it will be fun, but it will be a long ride back from Dallas for one team, and it could be my team, uh, and it could be OU. I mean, I don't. I as and as, as an OSU fan, and I can speak for I can I I confidently speak for every OSU fan on this. Oh God! That if OSU that OSU, if OSU wins the first one, probably not a good chance they win the second one, um, and could lose both. I mean, maybe I'm just a doubter there, but there is not a, a, a universe that I've ever been to uh, where OSU wins, you know, loses Bedlam for what's it been, seven years? This will be seven if they don't win. Um, since Bob Stoops kicked a Tyree kill. That, and I can't remember the last time, Jones. I don't think I, don't think I was alive the last time OSU won two Bedlams in a row. Uh, you um, were. It was uh, 02 and 03 when uh, Les Miles won. So, I mean, I was young. Or actually, that was, not, a, that was 01 and 02. Yeah. Right. Not old enough to really understand the how crazy that is. But yeah, I remember I mean, both it, those games pretty well. Yeah. Um, but the right. if mean, you don't have if, a rooting interest, if you're not a Big 12 fan or if you're not a fan of either one of these schools – I think your best case scenario to make this interesting is to hope Oklahoma State wins the first matchup in Stillwater and then for the second matchup to be with a playoff spot on the line. I think that's your best case scenario as far as to make this the most interesting. Now, I think the most likely scenario, if you made me guess right now, Tom, I would say the most likely scenario is Oklahoma wins out and wins both games and they make the playoff. 
um, as an undefeated team. I think that's the most likely scenario here. But the best scenario for entertainment purposes is for both these teams to win the next two, Oklahoma State to win the first one, and then have a de facto playoff game of sorts in the Big 12 title. I mean, wouldn't that be – I don't. I mean, for entertainment purposes and for my sake of sanity, um, I mean, I obviously would hope that Oklahoma State would win the first one because if Oklahoma State doesn't win the first one, then at that point, if, if let's say OU wins in Stillwater – um, the you know the two days after Thanksgiving, and then the next weekend it's Bedlam again in Dallas. If OSU wins that game in Dallas to win the Big Twelve, OSU doesn't get in the playoff. At that point, neither would OU. OSU would win the conference, meaning they go to the Sugar Bowl, and that would mean OU would probably either go to the Alamo Bowl or would they get in a no 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 OU would get into a New Year's Six Bowl with just a, a one loss team at that point. Uh... So it'd be it'd be like, like the Peach bowl. bowl or something like that, yeah. So. Right, incredible. That would be, yeah. It's we there's a I mean there we don't even have a month left of college football and I'm sick over it already. I'm excited about. I love it. I love it. I love it, but I hate it. Let's uh, you don't hate it at all. No, no, no. You you soak it all in. We got to enjoy this next month. Championship November. <laughs> um. Better, the championship November is better than Brocktober. Brocktober didn't go too well for you this year. Um, well, you know, you can't get them all. <laughs> oh, man. Let's, we look at least the, uh, rest, let's look at the rest of the Big 12 games this week real fast. Uh, West Virginia taking on K-State. K-State, you get Skylar Thompson back. They're playing some better football as of late. That defense looks good. Uh, West Virginia with a big upset win against Iowa State last week. They're four and five. They're playing for the right to go to a bowl game here. This one could go either way, Tom. Yeah, it could. And, you know, obviously West Virginia didn't look very good the last week. Granted, they're playing a solid defense. And, you know, I, I this is going to be – I feel like this is going to be a battle. Uh, I mean, I feel like K-State can probably pull it off. But, you know, West Virginia I don't think is any slouch. Um. You know, if you're not watching any other game and this one's on, this one's be an entertaining game to watch. Iowa State taking on Texas Tech. Texas Tech's got a new head coach. Uh, McGuire comes over from Baylor, where he was their lead assistant coach. Let's start out there before we break down this game, Tom. That one, to me, was an off-the-wall hire of some sorts. We always expect Texas Tech to focus on offense. I still think of, when I think of Texas Tech, of Mike Leach in those glory days that they had, you know, with, with, uh, you know, the air raid and even Cliff Kingsbury, you know, was running the same system with Patrick Mahomes and that identity, although that they didn't have a whole lot of success in the Kingsbury days. Um, But now you go to a defensive coach after you fire Matt Wells and you and I were not fans of firing Matt Wells. I thought he deserved at least one more year to prove himself. But you make this change. I don't know much about this guy, to be honest. He did a good job at Baylor, but I expected Texas Tech to, to focus on offense, to hire an offensive coach here. This one was a bit surprising, this hire to me. Yeah, it was. And I think they kind of were just like, well, you know, next available after what trailer signed with SMU. or And, you know, I don't think they were getting dykes. So, I guess, is this the best – the next best hire? Could you have – 
I'm I'm wondering, could you have waited? Like, what do they see in Baylor's linebacking coach that maybe they couldn't get somewhere else? Right. Um, that's, I mean, it's it's very quick, right? I mean, they didn't need to right away. I don't feel like it's a better hire than Alex Grinch, probably. I don't think Grinch is that great of a DC, and he entered. Right, I mean, right. right, you're right, exactly. So I don't, I don't mean, I don't know that they had to. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe they just, they're against the riding the coaching carousel in the off season, but I don't necessarily think they had to you know, pull the trigger this quick. But, you know, maybe they – obviously they see – I didn't get to be in the interview room, so maybe they see something I don't. Um, I, I agree with you. I think Matt Wells deserved probably another year to figure it out. But, you know, Texas Tech, I guess, is in the – they haven't been relevant for a while. But, you know, maybe they're trying to stay – get that way. I don't think you can – I mean, they had, they had a good win against Houston. And, I mean, Houston's not terrible – Houston's top 25 team, yeah. Right, exactly. So, I mean, they haven't had a – I wouldn't say they have – They've. I would say they've had an average or a above average year for Texas Tech. Yeah. They're fine. I don't they're think it's – I mean, Right. I mean, they, they win this one. I don't think they're going to, but they win this one. You're in a bowl game. Who they got left? Uh, they play Iowa State this week at home. And then they play Oklahoma State, and State. then they play Baylor. Okay, so, you know, you win one of those. Hopefully it's this week and not the next two, um, especially not next week. But, you know, you have a chance. You're right there knocking on the door for a bowl game. Um, what more? I mean, for Tech, that's pretty pretty standard. You know, and if you, you don't make a bowl game, then – Sure, fire your coach or whatever, but it is tech. It's not like the it's not like the Texas Tech fans would be surprised if they missed a bowl game. I feel like, Tom, that Texas Tech, I don't want to use the term sleeping giant, but I feel like that's a place with the right coach with all that talent in Texas being in the Big 12. There's no reason why with the right coach, Texas Tech shouldn't be averaging seven or eight wins every year. I agree. I agree, and you know you take Texas and you take Texas and OU out and replace them with uh, you know a UCF or um, I don't think they'd beat Cincy obviously, and I don't know that they'd beat BYU, but maybe um, you know you might have something there. You, you might get seven wins with the new the new look Big Twelve. So Iowa maybe State, they're gearing up for that. Iowa State in uh, this matchup here, they're the better team. Um, you know, we, we've seen them so up and down at this point this year. Texas, uh, Iowa State, what do they have to play for at this point? You beat Texas, had a nice performance last week, but you lose to West Virginia a couple weeks ago. You're not going to win the Big 12 at this juncture. Um, I mean, you're still technically in the hunt. You could, you could still get there, but more than likely, you're not going to get to the Big 12 title game um, once they are mathematically eliminated from the Big 12 title hunt, which will come very soon, it, it's going to be hard to find motivation for a team that is pretty much out the door with Purdy, uh, you know, everyone that, that's there uh, from, uh, you know, to uh, their running back to, you know, their, their, their star tight end, you know, from Brees Hall to Hutchinson to Kolar. I mean, those guys are walking out the door. Once they're eliminated, which should be soon here, it's going to be hard to find motivation for this Iowa State team, I would think, Tom. 
Right. And, and there's, a, there's several scenarios. I mean, if, if Baylor was to beat OU and then K-State was to beat Baylor, you know, it's, it comes down Iowa State was to beat OU and then OU was to beat OSU would be Iowa State OU again. Or, you know, even maybe the most likely one in this case would be OU beating Baylor, Baylor beating K-State, Iowa State beating OU, and then OU beating OSU. That would be OU, Iowa State. Or, you know, really it comes down to your game. You need OU to beat Baylor, Baylor to beat K-State, and then you have to beat OU. And if one, if that happens, if OU beats Baylor and Baylor beats K-State, then it's a must-win against OU, and then you're in. If that happens, why you beat is. OU? Well, I mean, there is. I'll send you this. This I, I I went through this. You can look at this. You posted to do whatever you want with it. But I didn't realize how close it was or how easy Iowa State could still get in. Now, granted, if if some things change, I mean, if they don't beat if they don't beat OU, it's they're it's they're they're pretty much gone. Do they do they control their own destiny? I don't think no, so. I I don't believe so. In in a way, well, I can tell you this. In a way, they do. In a way, I mean, you can look at this. Is I mean, it's hard to somewhat go down the charts, um, but there's a there's a certain way they could get in. I mean, if they if they win out. They would obviously – I mean, this this is contingent on them beating Tech, obviously. Um, they could still lose. I think they could still lose – no. I'll tell you right now if they can get in. No. If they if they lose to OU, they cannot get in. Yeah. So, they uh, they need some help, basically. Is, a little uh, – just a little bit, yeah. So, we'll see. And they would, they would need to – they would need to beat OU – and then have, I don't know, they'd have to have some help somewhere else. It's it's a mess. Math is hard. It is. Um, Kansas taking on Texas this week. Texas, man, you talk about a fall from grace. It has been a very entertaining, as we talked about kind of at the, at the beginning of the show with uh, their hydration issues they're going with there. Four and five. They're 31-point favorites. Kansas, man, uh, it was rough last week against K-State. We'll put it that way. I'll say this much, Tom, I like KU to cover this week. Uh, I think they can keep within 31 against this Texas team, this uninspired Longhorn squad. Yeah, you know, I think they can too. It's, I don't think it would be, you know, that crazy. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not calling for it. What last week, I don't think I said it on the show, but I said in a group text that TU would pull the upset of the century for TU at that is and beat Cincinnati. And, you know, if it was – wasn't for TU's lack of ignorancy and trying to literally get it in on the one yard line, like for eight downs, uh, we might've had that upset. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say that KU will beat Texas and I'm not going to write it off. I'm not going to write it off. That's all I'll say. Okay. We'll leave it at that. That does it for uh, this week's Big 12 breakdown here on the Jones Sport. Last thing before we go, time for our Tom Forey story of the week. Tom, where shall we head to this time? You know, Jones, we are going to go to the, the great state of Michigan. 
I've never been to Michigan. Uh, neither have I. I've been as close as I've been as Minnesota. Um, and I don't know what necessarily would be in Michigan that I would want to go to. It's not Detroit. Um, you know, it's Detroit is like the, I don't know, there's multiple Florida cities that would be a Detroit. De- Detroit is like all of the Florida cities and the Florida mans combined into one. We're not even going to Detroit, though. We're going to East Lansing. Okay. We're talking about the Michigan-Michigan State game, and we're talking about the Attorney General, um, the Michigan Attorney General before. And I like how then this, too, this is from outkick.com. Um, I guess it comes falls under the politics portion of this, but I do think it's funny how they pointed this out. Michigan, the uh, article reads, Michigan State Attorney General Dana Nessel, a Democrat, that's the funny part, issued a statement Wednesday in which she explained how she got hammered drunk at the October 30th Michigan-Michigan State game in East Lansing and is blaming an empty stomach and alcohol and two Bloody Mary drinks for doing the damage. Apparently, there have been some rumblings across the state about the Attorney General getting white girl wasted, and Dana needed to set the record straight. We got to a point where Dana decided to just come out and say she got rocked, and that's that. I love it. Um, Let's go to Dana's Facebook apology. My staff has pleaded with me to hire a... (laughs) Is it that bad? Do you need a, a crisis management PR firm? I don't think Urban Meyer got a crisis management PR firm. His was way worse than this. My staff has pleaded with me to hire a crisis management PR firm for an incident that occurred on 1030 at the Michigan-Michigan State football game. Instead, I thought I would just share the events which transpired that fateful day. Before the big game, I attended a tailgate on an empty stomach, much to my surprise. Michigan's tel- Michigan State tailgates tend to have more alcohol than food, so I thought it seemed like a good idea to eat two, to eat two Bloody Marys. Oh, oh, she clarified, since as long as you put enough vegetables in them, it was practically a salad. As it turned out, this was not a brilliant idea. Also, I might be a terrible bartender. I proceeded to go to the game, which, which I'm told Michigan definitely won. I did not, and started to feel ill. I laid low for a while, but my friends recommended that I leave, so as to prevent me from vomiting on any of my constituents, constitutions, uh, polling constituents. Yeah, sorry. Well, I can't talk today. Um, polling consistently shows Roman showers to be, that's what you call it. A Ro- I did not, I learned something new every day. Roman showers is the term to vomit on people. Polling consistently shows Roman showers to be unpopular among most demographics. I had a few folks help me up the stairs and someone grabbed a wheelchair so as to prevent me from stumbling in the parking lot. Like all smart people attending festivities where drinking occurs, I had a designated driver. I went home, fell asleep on the couch, and my wife threw some blankets on me and provided me with some water and Tylenol for what she would be, what she knew would be a scroll-crushing hangover the next day. So there, that's the scandalous tale of the events which transpired at the tailgate gate. That's funny. Also, at some point, it seemed like a good idea to make the governor take a picture with Ron Weiser. Sorry, governor. Just so no one doesn't have to imagine what the scene might have looked like, I've attached this handy photo. Normally, I would ask my trusted friend and communications savant, Kelly Rossman McKinney, for advice on how to best handle this crisis, but she died last night, so I can't. That was a turn. I did not know that happened. That was a turn reading that. I am a human. Sometimes I screw up. This was definitely one times. My apologies to the entire state of Michigan for this hat, but especially the Michigan fans sitting behind me. Some things you can't unsee. 
From now on, I pledge to never drink on an empty stomach and definitely not to have more Bloody Marys because um, it's going to take a while to get that taste out of my mouth. Sorry to all the people who have supported me for letting you down. I will try to do better. Um, article goes on back to read. Now, we're not here to cancel Dana. We're here for content. And an attorney general type taking to Facebook to apologize for getting lit up at a football game is a good one. It's beautiful content. That's what people in the content business live for. It's been a beautiful year in Michigan politics. You have Dana getting rocked, and then you have Michigan State rep Jewel Jones saying how he goes to strip to a strip club to conduct official business because the lamb chops at the Pantheon Club are great. Jones, I'm going to click on this other story. I'm going to turn it over to you for a second while I get the best out of this. This was four months ago, but we'll talk about the strip club here in a second. Jones, I don't think it's that bad that she got lit up at the game. It's no. it's a state robbery game, and I she's think she probably working. had, she had not, more than two Bloody Marys for sure. Yeah, she's not working. You know, what does she have to apologize for? She had a good time. It was a robbery game. The two big schools in the state of Michigan, she just let her hair down and have a good time. I mean, come on. I mean, what what, what, is, what is she supposed to do at that game other than have herself a good time? No, she's got nothing to apologize about. Get on with your bad self. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she can do whatever she wants. Like, it's, I mean, you know, people can go out and have drinks and get smashed. I mean, she wasn't pulling in Urban Meyer. You know, she's just getting drunk at a football game. If if uh, someone tried to cancel me every time I was drunk at a football game, I'd be major canceled by now. Uh, I would be not in a good spot. Um, I can. I'd, what did she do wrong? That's what I don't understand. It's not like she drank Everclear or anything either. It's Bloody Marys, which that was probably her own bad decision. She didn't Only hurt bad anybody. decision. Yeah, she didn't throw up on anybody. She just got to get a got a little loosey goosey at the game. Sometimes you got to let loose. I wish um, her friends would have like still played along that Michigan had won, uh, and, and you know just made her think that made her made her feel good about the experience that. Uh, would have convinced her Michigan had won, but I, I guess that she she found out otherwise, though. Right, and so here's another story. This real is quick, a quick, quick. story. Go if ahead. you looked at the college football playoff rankings this week, she could have even been more convinced that Michigan had won. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you know, you look at the rankings and not the record, and you know you're good to go. Right, uh, right, exactly. So you know, I don't know what the big deal is. It's like, whatever, you got drunk at a football game. This other story in my mind is way, way worse, right? Because this is, from what I can see here, spending taxpayer money. Um, you know, this, I'll give you the brief. Well, I won't read you the whole thing, but I'll give you the brief because this is the first time I heard this story. Michigan State Rep Jewel Jones told a Detroit news reporter the lamb shops are great at the Pantheon Club in Dearborn, Michigan, where he'd spent $221 in March during an economic development meeting. We have to meet people where they're at sometimes, dot, 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 hashtag holla. Um, he called it a constituent meeting, right, on a disclosure that was filed Sunday. Um, and a Twitter account for that club includes a bio that reads the oldest and most established gentlemen's club in Michigan. We are number one in topless entertainment. Um, state rep also filed a charge of $696 dinner, dollar dinner bill at a Vegas restaurant and spent over 6400 in campaign funds on meals over the first seven months of 2021. You know what? Trump likes to play golf. It sounds like this guy likes to eat. 
Uh, Jones, which is worse, spending taxpayer money at a strip club, granted on dinner, or getting drunk at a football game? Oh, spend, definitely spending taxpayer money. Yes. Right. I mean, like it's like, all right, you know, I get it. You wanna you wanna get drunk at a football game? Whatevs. Cool. Big whoop do. You go and spend taxpayer money at a strip club on lamb chops, right? Now, like, okay, I want to know what the people in, let's say, Georgia. Hold on, give me two seconds. Change my output here. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, perfect. Go to, what? I mean, you go to a, a place that's not known nationally. You know, I, when you can probably still in here, we're, we're talking about Magic City. Would you be more mad if your representative spent taxpayer money at Magic City and got delicious wings? Or would you be more mad if they went to a place in Dearborn, Michigan um, for a, in quotes, constituent meeting and spent $221? Oh, you had to be mad at the uh, the one for using the taxpayers, you know. Do you, do you like lamb chops? I don't. They're okay with me. I'll hate. But you two hundred and twenty one dollars at a strip club. Granted, Magic City's not cheap either. I've never been. I've heard obviously the wings are great, but I have looked at the prices, and I guarantee you, probably not going to spend two hundred twenty one dollars, depending on how many people you're bringing with. But at that point, you know you're going in. That information of where you eat is going to be released or is available, you know, to be found. Or you get drunk at a football game. Everybody else there is drunk. It's not like Michigan played, I don't know, Sycamore, you know, Sycamore University. It's not like they played a little team. This is the biggest game of the year for Michigan State. And, you know, the biggest game for Michigan is probably Ohio State. But, you know, whatever. It's in-state rivalry. Both teams are undefeated. If you want to get plastered on your day off, I am in full support of that. Because I can tell you when Bedlam comes, I am going to be more than two Bloody Marys deep. Granted, I'm not an attorney general, but still. Yeah. I think that she just needs to say, you know what? I had a good time, and I'm going to pardon myself. You got a problem with that? Deal with it. I would I would be I would be all votes for her if she, if she did that. If she was just like, listen... I don't have to apologize to nobody to get a little little drunk on my day off. So both these things were in Michigan, right? Exactly. I mean, but now I got to go to Michigan. I got to party with these folks that apparently know how to have a good time in Michigan. Go get drunk with the AG and then turn around and go to the strip club with one of the representatives. I'm all in. And and the guy's name that got went to the strip club, I doubt any relation, but. Last name is Representative, you know, he goes by Representative Jones. Hmm. Okay. So there you go. Go have lamb chops with representatives and turn around and go get drunk in Ann Arbor with Dana Nestle. Sign me up. Let's do it. I'm all right. <laughs> do you like Bloody Marys? If they're done right, I'll take it one. But it feels like most of the time people don't know how to make a good one. What time was that? Is that an early game? Yeah, that was big noon. Oh, there you go. So, I guess their only mistake here was not drinking mimosas and instead having Bloody Marys.
That makes sense. Probably why, probably why Michigan lost. Probably so. We got to go. Big thanks to Jordan Foote for joining us, Coach Bo as well. And as always, subscribe to the Jones Report. New episodes out each and every Thursday on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. On social media, we are on Facebook at Tyler Jones Live, at Studio Soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at Studio underscore Soapbox, and uh, Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Tyler Jones Live, Instant Thomas, and the Studio Soapbox Network with new shows out each and every weekday. Coach Bo, the Coach Bo Knows podcast out every Monday and Friday. And Tuesday is Raw Tools with Luke Slayball. Wednesdays, Let's Go Racing with David Starr. And then this show, uh, the Jones Report, out on Thursdays. So check out all our shows. We certainly encourage you to do so. And uh, that will do it. For Thomas Bridges and Tyler Jones, thanks so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week.